powered by Riverside FM. Looking to explore new frontiers of entertainment, American director and Star Wars creator George Lucas founded a new computer division in 1979, a spin-off of the production company that bore his name. They would go on to be known as LucasArts, one of the brightest stars in PC games development. Initially unable to build titles in a galaxy far, far away due to a licensing agreement with Atari, this new business instead embraced new intellectual property, leveraging the might of Lucas's film credentials to produce works a cut above the competition. No strangers to playing in other genres, LucasArts would eventually take a shot at the burgeoning FPS genre, following the enormous success of Doom. With Atari's grip on the Star Wars license loosened, the team put together an ambitious FPS game set in this universe, and built an equally ambitious engine to power it. Unfortunately, they'd only get two uses out of it, as very soon the developers shifted along with the rest of the industry to polygonal rendering. This other game was not set in the world of Jedis or X-Wings, but instead harkened back to an era of Hollywood that predated George Lucas, one whose frontier justice had an indelible influence on George's work nevertheless. In some respects, this game would do likewise. Although it ran on older technology, it would be forward-looking in its approach. Where LucasArts have since gone on to be defined by their adventure games and Star Wars titles, this shooter represents the side of the company few have seen but is well representative of the creativity that defined them, and the rebellious spirit of their earliest work. On this episode of Bullet Time, we head back to the Old West with LucasArts 1997 shooter, Outlaws. of a weird end of the was it sort of like one of those things that when they stepped down it was like it's not you it's me or <laughs> right exactly yeah i had to have him sit me down and and tell me that he was leaving for other reasons um it yeah. was sad though because he did a lot of work uh and and he was very helpful i don't know uh yeah but i'll see him i'll what... see him tomorrow <laughs> nice well um hmm. is the weather looking good for it or i don't know Probably. Actually, I don't even know why I assumed that it was an outdoor wedding. I think it's because all the ones I've been to are outdoor, and so I just go, oh, it just must be an outdoor thing. That's how it works. But um, I don't think they were going to take the chance. No, no not in October. No, no, it'll probably be inside of, of a building, I would think. Yes, thankfully. A building that might have pumpkins outside of it. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be like a barn. If not a real barn, then something you know, uh, resembling the aesthetic or the, you know, sort of feeling you get at a barn. So yeah, there'll probably be pumpkins. Do they have like barns that are just made for like events like this where they don't actually keep like livestock and stuff? Like, like, like is I that feel a like, thing? Yeah. I feel like this must be that. This must be that place. Like a, almost a banquet hall, but it's a barn. It's like a tourist barn for like all the, all, all the people that want barn aesthetics. I'm sure there's not like like hay and like shit everywhere. Like, oh god, yeah. And I imagine it's probably it's probably just nice. I imagine yeah. a lot of these barns as well maybe used to have livestock in them, but just because of like 
the mass industrialization of everything. It's like, well, we still have these barns about. Um, maybe we could use them for other things. And some people are going, well, I would like to have, even though we haven't had, you know, farm communities in over a hundred years here, <laughs> I would like to have a farm wedding if possible. And mm-hmm. those, those barns, you know, they come in handy. So, yeah. People want to relive their Amish fantasies. Exactly. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, yeah. Before the days of like those like chicken barns now where they have like two inches of space and they're just stacked on top of each other. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Speaking of chicken barns, because it is. Yeah. Of- <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's actually apt. Yeah, shit. that is a weirdly apt <laughs> segue to. Hi, folks. Welcome to Bullet Time, the video game podcast where we analyze the shooters that miss their marks. Uh, as per usual, I'm James, but we're trying something different this episode. Uh, I'm what? Not, I know. We're not joined by any co-hosts, but we are joined by two <laughs> guests. That means... Wait, what the fuck is the difference? What is the difference between a co-host and a guest host? I don't well, I'm here, listening to these episodes and it's... No, that's fair enough. Um, So the way that I kind of imagined it was that a co-host would kind of be somebody who might have a similar expertise to what we're talking about and kind of does like the front of house stuff as well. Like I'm the person who always introduces the episodes. But the co-host mm-hmm. may also be like, oh, you know, they'll throw topics into the mix and stuff like that. Or if it's Kevin, they have their own kind of little segment where they talk about like the zeitgeist of, you know, what was out at the time. Okay. That okay. kind of thing. Um, but, in the, but I'm not going to force you to, to do either of that. That being said, though, depending how this episode goes, maybe at the end, I'll like crown who was like actually the guest host of this episode. <laughs> I'm gonna create a competition oh, aspect. Oh, right. oh boy. Yeah. Get ready, Alex. Get ready. It's, it's on. All right. I'm a host this motherfucker. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um I suppose then before we can figure out who our secret guest host may actually be, we should probably introduce them. And folks, for this episode, our guests are the very best from the Midwest themselves uh riding in um on their horses to this podcast today we have dressed all in white video essayist and podcast uh host zach frazier while dressed all in black is video essayist chariot rider um also known as alex uh how do you want me to refer to you by the way uh, during the episode i I mean i don't care you know most people online just know me as chariot but i don't mind being called alex okay um I, I would do my best because it was a bit of a, so interesting having you both on the podcast anyways, because it would be kind of a thing of like, oh, Zach Frazier and Chariot Rider. That's not a pairing that I usually think of together as like, you know, come in pockets much like, you know, maybe like Lamb Who and like Bobby Broccoli. That's, that's kind of like a pairing that you could imagine. But mm-hmm. there is a reason that the both of you are on this podcast one of which we'll kind of get into when we talk about the game itself. But also, um, speaking of the Midwest, I did um, I did enjoy a lovely chain ride with the both of you from Milwaukee <laughs> to Chicago back in September. Uh, for one moment, we were all like little, we were like cowboys uh, riding over from one state into the next. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it's almost like we're trying to we're, we're recreating that a little bit. And the reason that I mention that is because um, at the time, because I was meeting all my online friends, uh, I was struggling to be like, okay, do I call you by your handle or should I use your name? Like, what's 
Because I always think when you call people by their handle in real life, it feels a bit like you're in the film Hackers. Haven't seen it, right. but um, Zach, like, I, seen- I imagine it's... I've not seen Hackers. I need to see Hackers. Oh I'm God. a bad person. Oh. So <laughs> just for um, just mostly, for, well, for the both of you, and I guess a little bit for people at home who don't know, Hackers was like in the 1990s a... It was kind of like a sci... It's not really an action film. It's kind of more of an adventure film, but not in the style of, like, The Goonies. It's slightly... Oh, no, I guess it is like The Goonies, but it has an all-adult cast, which is weird. (laughs) But it's basically like what people in the 90s thought hacking was like. And also, well, we can't just have people typing into code prompts on, like, a film. That's not very exciting. So they try and jazz it up with... A lot of quick cutting, a lot of like snap zooms, a lot of footage of showing like the things that they're hacking, what's being affected, and what does that kind of look like. Uh, there's a shot where they just move a camera over a a circuit board as electrons fly back and forth because you know that's what that that's how circuit boards work. They just have free moving giant electrons on top of them. So um, it's a pretty good film, but yeah, and they all refer to themselves by uh, their they're hacking names. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, I, I I didn't stop calling VG VG, so it was hard. It was hard to, if I didn't know someone's name before we went, I was calling them their their handle, and that was pretty much just VG. No, so, yeah, uh, and yeah, I, I, I think I also called VG VG a lot. Like, like I think I went back and forth depending on you know, the moment. I just mixed it up <laughs> depending on the what, like when you were. <laughs> Like when it was official, it was VG. When it was on a fit, when it was a little bit lighter and unprofessional, it wasn't VG. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The usted uh, and su- I forget the other word in Spanish. Whatever the yeah, the formal and the the informal. Oh, like um, <laughs> like San and Chan in uh, Jap- like the honorifics in Japanese. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. It was funny because as you were saying the name VG, I was like racking in my head and I was like, okay, but what was his actual name? And I do now remember it was. I don't remember either. I'm uh, sorry, it, uh, VG. It, it's uh, yeah, that was. Like, it. Don't say that on the podcast. No, I might. I was about to say it, and then I was like, maybe I might need to oh, bleep that out. Yeah, but that's okay, that chat. We got ble- wait, bleep it out. That'll be funny. We got yeah, no, we'll bleep it out because then it will make it just sound like you're swearing, which will be even funnier. So, oh yeah. yes, Char- chariot rider, known swearer. Chariot rider, oh, yeah. known bad boy. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's why you're the cowboy dressed all in black this episode. Black, I think yeah. That, you know. You may come across as as a sweet guy, but I don't know. When it comes to video game opinions, it might uh, you might get heated. So it it's the sweetest people you have to watch out for. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, I mean, what's the term like Minnesota nice, where it's like those are the people that you have to be cautious of. I mean, they they kind of like say that in general about the midwest like you know yeah. i've heard iowa nice thrown around quite a bit you know i could see nebraska nice being a thing yeah. it's just you know people in the midwest they they put up a very nice front but sometimes it's a uh, performative and sometimes it's genuine mm. you just have to figure it out 
well, hopefully throughout this episode, that'll be that'll be another chat. That'll I'm gonna use I'm gonna factor that into my um, adjudication <laughs> for who's gonna be the secret guest host. Like of you the want us to be nice, or you want us to not be nice? Is that I you mean, want us to break out of our mold? That's the thing. I don't really want to tell. I want to run this in the background because I kind of want to okay. keep you guys right. challenged. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But, you know, is, is this like reality television where you bit, actually yeah. want like like the like, like the chaotic? crazy personalities because that's that's a lot more interesting than the uh straight laced you know on top of everything people that's true but sometimes like a buddy cop movie you need the good cop and the bad cop in order to create chemistry you know who's the straight Ooh. man here I su- that's what we're gonna find <laughs> i mean te- i mean technically it should be me because i'm the host so i'm doing a very bad job at, oh, yeah. at the moment um <laughs> speaking of um i guess for the folks at home um I'll pick on Alex. Oh, I just noticed we got we literally have from A to Z on this episode. We have Alex and Zach as guests. Hey, um, I will start with A though. Um, Alex and then Zach. Um, do you just want to quickly introduce yourselves to the folks at home, just in case they don't know who you are? Yeah. You so, so you know, I'm Alex, known online as Chariot Rider. and I you know I do video essays generally about weird, obscure kinds of games um yeah my most recent video is about a game that maybe uh i don't know a couple hundred people have played in the past 10 years um you know weird strange stuff that that that's all in my uh it's all my court nice uh zach what about you i'm zach frazier i make videos every once in a blue moon uh you know a video essay here or there yeah a weird shrek um art film every now and again that's true um and uh and i have a podcast going that james was actually on and chariot will be on at some point uh soonish um games etc i just talk about games if if you just want some to chill out while you're like doing work it's kind of like a video game talk about games club for like uh kind of a, right exactly yeah sort of, yeah you we know, both play the same thing over the course of a few well, i guess as long as it takes really and then we kind of join together and talk about it and also you know why was it chosen as a subject matter at least that's kind of what happened with our uh the episode that i was on where it was like why did i pick why everybody picked all these interesting and personal games i picked this big triple a game why did i do that <laughs> A double A game at the time. Come on, it was that's you know true. Well, yeah. like you know, Bloodborne. That's a pretty pretty triple A game. That, yeah. that is a very triple A game. SimCity three thousand. Is that a triple? Does that that's count so as a triple A game for the time? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's well. Was EA? No, it was just Maxis at the time. Yeah. Was- yeah, I don't know. Huh. What was AAA in in the nineties? Like Nintendo, Crash. I guess maybe Sega. Um, like yeah. Gran Turismo, Sony? maybe. Uh, yeah. Medal of Honor, the first Medal of Honor game, I guess, is like a AAA FPS. Uh, it's, okay. Yeah. Um, is the game that we're talking about today? Would you consider this a AAA game of its era? Which, by the way, folks, uh, we're talking about nineteen ninety seven. Yes, Outlaws, uh, a game developed and published by Lucas Arts. Which um, that could be factored into the question a little bit because, uh, yeah, Lucas Arts, George Lucas's uh, video game company. Does this 
qualify Outlaws as having something of a AAA prestige to it, or at least a big name prestige? Oh, that that is a really good question. Because, you know, LucasArts, like, like they have a lot of prestige, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up in the 90s, but I heard a ton about, you know, Monkey Island and all of these old, you know, classic LucasArts games. Yeah. But, you know, in all of the years, you know, hearing about this stuff, I've never heard anybody mention Outlaws until um, uh, Campster mentioned it in uh, one of his um, Children of Doom episodes. Yes. And, and, and I was like, wait, LucasArts made a first person shooter? in the midwest or, or in the west like like i was shocked i had never heard of this game before yeah um so i guess like, like oh, oh, i'm sorry i was gonna say in the I, I you know i you know i'm born in 95 i don't know the industry at the time that this game came out in 97 no um but like i feel like pc games would have been so you know there's like there's like the big titles but like, you know, everyone was kind of indie in a way. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, Doom was released mm-hmm. as an indie game, you know, yes. but then it kind of catapulted them. Um, you know, like, is 3D Realms a publisher or a developer? Um, both, really. So both? 3D Realms okay. <laughs> like 3D Realms published a bunch of like like um Duke Nukem was like published by like 3D Realms, yeah. but I guess that was kind of made internally. I, um, Blood, I think, was published by 3D Realms, but that was developed by um, Monolith. Like that was like the first game that they had made. But then there's also like okay. GT Interactive started publishing 3D Realm stuff, so it was like a hat on a hat at that point. So, fuck? I, I, yeah, I get what you mean, though. It is like, <laughs> especially like compared My, to today, where you have like Microsoft, yeah, and yeah, well, and in, like publishes. Well, and for the longest time, like on the PC, the best-selling game was made by like Rand and Robin Miller and their yeah. staff at a you know uh, Cyan, and you know that that's like you know I would consider Mist an indie game, but like it was the right. best-selling PC game of all time until I think it was The Sims that knocked it off. So yeah. like it's just a very different ecosystem than what you would might- see on consoles. My perception of AAA now is like completely different than what even existed back then. It's like we have all these big, you know, we Mm -hmm. have like these big ass, massive publishers who've, you know, conglomerated and ate up a bunch of people. And like, that's what AAA means to me. Whereas like back then, maybe someone has, you know, someone of the time could probably um, spell out their idea of it, but it doesn't feel the same, you know, like even an Activision or a EA of that time is like unthinkable you know it's like it's a whole different beast probably god yeah like you don't really have like call of duty i think most people would think of as like what is a triple a game and yeah the new call mm-hmm. of duties are made by like multiple studios across the world versus the first call of duty was just made by infinity like it was published by activision but it was just made by infinity ward and then like you have some like outlaws where the publisher is the developer and like in regards to its credits it only has about like god 50 or so people on it which is still quite a lot of people but like it is yeah. you know quite <laughs> i mean they just don't really you know make it well i guess actually it's a little bit more like 60 70 80 people but it's still not as much as like you know a modern game is by any extent you know mm-hmm. yeah 
Um, well, and like that, that kind of like brings up another question I had about this. Cause like, did, was there ever a shareware release of, of outlaws? You know, cause I know doom and a lot of shooters from like, you know, maybe a little bit earlier had shareware releases mm. where it was like, like the first couple of levels and then you had to like, well, mail this off was on money. CD. So yeah. I think. Oh. Oh, you know, true. it's 97, it's on CD, Windows 95 is out. I think it's a, to, you know, it's a different world than like the early 90s share. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't know. I'm not no. into retro PC shit like that, but sure. I, I think that's probably what. And I do think it's a bit of an interesting thing because although like I, I just said, you know, the title of the, you know, the subtitle of the podcast is the shooters that missed their marks. I don't like, I wouldn't say that this was like, you know, a, you know, like a, like say black or geist or legendary wish with these like hyper ambitious want to be triple a level titles but just like miss the execution this game by like all intents and circumstances like com- like as a vision completely nailed what it wanted to do but what's interesting yeah. about it is that it comes out in 1997 which is like the year after quake and most fps games at this point are now shifting over into free. so like this year we have uh like on the n64 we get goldeneye 007 so like the first big mm. proper fps game for consoles and that's fully 3d turret dinosaur hunter again fully 3d like that's sort of what the expectation is now and another lucasarts fps game that comes out this year is um dark forces 2 jedi knight which ironically the engine for this game was designed for the previous game, Dark Forces. But by the next one, they were kind of like, well, this has to be 3D because that's what the expectation is now. So on the other end, you you, ha- you still have 2D games coming out. Like this comes out the same year as Blood and Redneck Rampage and Shadow Warrior, which are all built on the build engine, which is what the um, uh, Duke Nukem 3D engine is. And you also get Doom 64 for the N64, which kind of mixes together 2D and 3D. And I think at this point, most FPS play or like pe- this kind of growing FPS audience, they expect 3D stuff. And so this game comes out, which is a CD release, a big box release. But it is very, although it is incredibly stylish, it is in the style of like, a build engine game or like an older doom style game. Cause that's the engine that they used. And I think as a result, like, although there isn't like a ton of sales data to go on from what I did find out, like this wasn't like an enormous hit for LucasArts, but this was around the time that, well, we have George Lucas's money. So like, we're not really in this for, we're trying to like, you know, push stuff forward and then, Hey, maybe we might have a star Wars game, which we know is a, you know, that's a guarantor, essentially. That's the money that we can put towards other stuff. But, um, yeah, it's weird. It's like, this is coming out right in the era of the big box Quake-style games, but it is kind of very throwback-y to almost unlike Doom, I suppose. Yeah, but it it has a modern design... Modern, whatever, you know. Of its <laughs> a time. modern design. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, design sensibility to it, yeah. Like, you know, I had played you know, a bit of Doom before. And, like, comparing this game to Doom, you know, one of the things I, I, I thought was really interesting was how, like, the level design in something like Outlaws was a lot more comprehensible. And, like, 
yeah. overall it felt like way more naturalistic than like you know something like a doom which is like you know i have no idea what these corridors are like like, <laughs> no. like why is this hallway like filled with toxic barrels like <laughs> like 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 the levels of doom don't make sense um you know it, it you know and i get it is a science fiction like mars base sure but like i feel like you know being kind of at the tail end of this style of first person shooter kind of gives it the advantage of all of these previous years of level design insight and you know they're able to pull off stuff like like there's like that canyon level which is like yeah like like that's like you would never see that in something like doom um you know maybe some earlier games pulled off you know naturalistic environments before but like i don't know outlaws really sells a naturalism in a way that i haven't personally experienced before in this style of you know late sprite based shooter game no i i agree and it's interesting because it's like I think like one of the, and I guess we'll kind of talk about the game a little bit more in detail, but like the thing that I quite liked about this was the fact that it's almost, it's LucasArts making an F is like making a Western and it's kind of like, well, how would like Lucas as a, like Lucas as a film company approach making a Western. And it's almost very kind of throwbacky in regards to, well, you know, like Indiana Jones essentially is like, well, we want to recreate the serials, so let's like hit all the high notes and like all the stuff that people expect, but like cut out all the fluff. And it's like, well, we're making a western, so like, what are the things that people expect from the genre? Where well, you need like a ghost town, you need a like a like a train, like a uh, like a train robbery, and then like with this big canyon, it does very much as you said, kind of. There's really no one has done stuff like this within it like an engine of this sort where it's very much about long snipers corridors and a lot of overlaid geometry like you're just kind of mostly running through chasms for a lot of it and going through caves and stuff and it's not trying to make a level which like kind of you know almost on the john romero brain side of stuff where it's like oh this has to be interesting and it loops into each other and you use keys like this is like one of the few levels in the game where there is no keys which again it's oh, like yeah. even though it's mm. built on the doom engine this is an example of well can we move beyond doom design a little bit to do something a bit more naturalistic and i almost think it's weird like this comes out the same year as goldeneye which a lot of people kind of know as being oh we have these 3d environments which feel like real places and a lot of that is down to like the the level designer of that game was an architect and so he kind of knew how places were constructed and like they had rooms which might not be part of the mission but they're just there because they're expected and outlaws has a little bit of that like it feels like building this elaborate wild west set where you have furnished homes and stuff like that for the extent of, well, of course you would. We want to make this feel like a little living place. And to that extent, I think they do manage to pull it off really well, even within the limitations of everything looks like big blocky cubes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On the subject of like the big blocky cubes, the the horses in this game, I 
I thought were hilarious because that, you know, they're like, they're like the sprites. So if you'd like move, you know, you could circle around your horse and it just, <laughs> it just rotates 90 degrees suddenly. And, and it's, it, it, it is, it never got old seeing the horses rotate. <laughs> no, it's my favorite yeah. thing of like, yeah, these old postcard 3D style games where yeah, enemies are just like completely locked on to you. So they just like, you just see them skew back and forth as you like strafe around them. God. Yeah, I don't know why the horses are like the worst offender. They're just so big and it's so, I don't know, it's so obvious. Whereas the people, I mean, the people are like walking around, so it oh, makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. I guess the chickens are kind of small. What other animals uh, or living things are there? Uh, there's cows. Oh, yeah, there's cows, yeah. I will say that's the one thing about this game, which, although we are kind of hopping around a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, that's the podcast. We just hop around to different subjects. Um, not a lot of enemy variety, but then as like that pop- thought bombed to my head, an immediate thought popped in and said, what other enemies could they do? It's a Western. <laughs> yeah. You are only fighting other cowboys. And in fairness, like some of them have different weapon types and stuff. And like some have snipers or some have like, there's no assault rifles in this game because of course there isn't. It's a Western. But like some have shotguns and some have like six shooters and stuff. But I was just kind of like, damn, a lot of the same enemies in this. And then I was like, I don't know how they would, they wouldn't be able to vary it up because I, yeah, they have like, such a dedication to the, the real you know, quote realism and the verisimilitude that they're just like, they're not going to have a dude. I mean, they could have had like a Gatling gun, dude. There's a Gatling gun in the game that you can use. I don't know why they never went in on that, but like they, they never have anyone do anything super weird. Even the boss enemies are just guys with guns that, do a fuck ton of damage, but like <laughs> yeah. they're not. Oh my god! The, <laughs> Maybe the, the log the dude. Oh, oh! Did you die to the log guy? Um, yeah, I died a time or two. Yeah, yeah. Like that—that <laughs> that was the thing. Like you know, I played on like the the good difficulty. Oh come um, on! Oh well, like, come on! What about you, James? <laughs> um, I I played on bad difficulty. I will say though, yeah, I wish did. the difficulty was a little bit more like. It actually explains to me what it was because I assume that well, ugly I guess mm. is hard, but then like like this is this is a cool homage you're going to, but I guess I would rather you just say easy, hard, and hardest. Like I don't quite get this. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know it, it's cute, but not super informative. No, uh, and, and and like you know, I guess coming into this, I was like, oh my gosh, like you know, do I really want to? have to trudge through a complex maze shooter because that's that's been Mm -hmm. my experiences with these games and yeah with with my busy schedule i was like yeah i'm 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 just gonna try this on good and see see where that goes but 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 i mentioned that because like you know i would go through most of the levels and the combat is really easy on good you know i i I actually wish i had played on bad but uh Mm -hmm. you know the, the second i would walk into a boss room yeah, there's like a 50% chance that half of my health would instantly be yep. annihilated. <laughs> yep. Um it is a insane jump from your normal goon who might at most deal like one like one of your little ticks of damage <laughs> to dying in two shots from the boss. Okay, I, it's good to know that's universal on every difficulty. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it is funny because it's like 
I couldn't quite... The only thing that I figured out whether a character was a boss or not was on how much damage they did, because on the first level especially, you go up a pair <laughs> of stairs into an attic, and there's just a guy behind a box, but he looks like everybody else, but he hits a little bit harder. And then you, He's got a different hat. Okay, he has a slightly <laughs> different hat. But you shoot him, and the moment you do, like... This game emulates okay, but the moment I shot this guy, like, my computer hitched like I thought it was going to crash, and then went to an what? FMV, and I was like, oh, I guess that guy must have been a, uh, like, he must have been important, I suppose. And I kept doing yeah. this, like, level by level, where I would shoot who I thought was a random enemy, and then they would go, oh no, this was a boss, this, this was, like, an actual guy. <laughs> Oh, Marshall, you got me. Now go to the next level. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I had a lot... Like, one of the most visually distinct enemies is uh, in the mine level. Mm. There's, like, that lady who's, like, the oh, doctor's yeah. wife, and she just shows up randomly in the level. And it's like, yo, she's the only... <laughs> she's the only character like that. And there's no fanfare when you kill her or anything. She no. just drops yeah. a key and you, and you move on. <laughs> Um, Wait, uh, a question. Yes. Did either of you have music playing during the game? Yes. Mine wouldn't play. Oh, uh, I had okay. music. I managed to get... <laughs> oh, neither of you managed to get music working. Uh, I, I, no, 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 I had music. Okay, um, yeah, no, I, I had yeah, music working as fine. well. Um, the fuck? God. Um, it is a little bit awkward to get working. Um, I couldn't get it running properly in windowed mode. Every time I did it crashed, so I was like, okay, I'll play this and... I'll play by your rules, George Lucas. I'll play this in full screen. Um, even though I did use Joy to Key so I could use a controller, which made a lot smoother. What? I Oh why? I, I love I love using a controller for FPS games. I'm You're weird. See, this is Ew. the thing. This is like, this is the era of GoldenEye 007 Turk Dinosaur Hunters. Those are the first FPS games I remember, and then Halo Combat this Evolved. This is a PC yeah, game. Yeah, like, like I, I can understand like using a like a controller for like a modern first-person shooter because a lot of them are kind of designed for that. Yeah, but like yeah, for for a game like yeah from the '90s on PC where like yo they they assumed you either just had a keyboard or a keyboard and mouse. Like yeah, right. I don't See, know. See, that's why I, I mean this game had keyboards. This game expected keyboard aiming. How is that any different to? You know, putting a big joystick over my numpad. Yeah, all right. yeah, yeah. yeah, it's fair. I don't know. Um, I, all right, fine. It's fine. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna factor that into who's the secret guest host this episode. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Wait, we both have the same opinion. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's, like, most, it's like the um, who's the most uh, accepting of what I was doing. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, James. I love everything you do. <laughs> this, this is like the uh, the telltale. James will remember that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just pops up in the corner of the audio somehow. Um. Yeah, but I um. I played it in full screen, and God, I can't even remember what my point was because we went on that little tangent. Um, yeah, it didn't run in window super well. Why is that weird? Yeah, and it kept hitching, and um, why wouldn't you want to play it in full screen? Oh, it's just like playing stuff in windowed. Oh, okay. I, f I, f I find full I find full screen quite um, full because I have like an ultra wide monitor as well, so it so it stretched to hell. Oh, okay. full screen. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, also, it's just a lot easier to record stuff in that. in uh, windowed mode. I, I tried setting OBS up to record uh, Outlaws, um, 
but uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't get OBS to work, so I ended up using Shadow Play to record mm-hmm. it instead. Um, but I also got like the hitching every time I wanted to save the game and reload. Oh yeah, uh, that that was another hitch, um, which was not, <laughs> yo, it's a little awkward. But I, I've played worse pc did either of you mod the game uh, no, no i didn't i think i i knew there were mods for the game but i didn't really touch oh. them i mean i might mention some of the interesting mods that i saw towards maybe the end of the episode i mean did i mean zach did you i mean yeah it? just like the quality of life stuff um oh. i forget okay so what did you i did i didn't even know that i had it that might <laughs> that might have helped me I quite said a bit. something uh let me see i got like a list of small list of mods i downloaded let me open up the file yeah i was i think to kind of like circle back to what i was meant to say which was that i think it is quite interesting that we have two guests on this which are coming from this game in very different directions which is obviously chariot you were born long after this game came out and only really discovered it a i guess maybe a year ago from the um yeah as you said the uh, camster video but like when i was talking about oh games i wanted to cover for bullet time this was one that you flagged as oh i would be interested in talking about this versus zach where i was like what are some games that you'd like to talk about for bullet time and you've given me two one of them which i will keep a secret for when we do that episode but the other one was outlaws and i was like interesting because like i've heard of this game but i don't know much about it and you were like well this this was like one of like my earliest games that I'd ever played and one that I still have like quite a lot of fondness for. So I suppose like, I don't know what, what's your sort of like, I guess, how were you introduced to Outlaws and I don't know, at the t- <laughs> how did you compare it to other stuff at the time? I suppose my daddy, my daddy let me play Outlaws. Um, yeah. So my oh, dad was yeah. a big PC gamer, um, like Half-Life, Outlaws, uh, Command and Conquer, um do you need free day no actually i mean well maybe but like i never saw that being played uh Dang. military sims like delta force and like black oh. hawk down uh that mm. was a pop- i mean that came a little late- later but um in any case yeah so my dad built pcs he helped people fix their pcs and stuff so he was just into that whole culture um, and so we had outlaws. Um, I think one, my father likes Westerns. He's born in the sixties. So I think he was probably okay. into the films and stuff like that. And probably some of the TV too, Bonanza and fucking, um, I forget the other cowboy shows anyway. Um, so he's probably into all that. And I, I think my dad seeing how he, um, likes games as he's gotten older and like what, what he cares about. He really cares about like realism and like great graphics and like a good story you know because he's like a he's like a movie guy um and like he really loves red dead redemption too like that's the one game he built like a stupid Mm. like the most expensive computer you could make a couple months ago he made that for red dead redemption 2 overkill but um you know (laughs) Mm. at least it's kind of future proof ish anyway yeah um but yeah, so I, I can see why my dad liked this game. Like, it's very, you know, it's not Doom. It's not, uh, I, I'm sure yeah. he played Doom. Uh, you know, he probably thought it was fun. But like this, like, appealed to his, you know, like, oh, there's a story. It's not like, you know, a super strong one. It's in, interstitial between every level. But like, there's 
the little animations and like just this world the intro yeah that's yeah that's a detailed I mean, long intro the intro animation's yeah. quite like robust like before you even start the <laughs> game which is surprising well it, and i feel like for the time it was especially you know i feel like this kind of thing was just a lot less common back oh, yeah. then right. You because know, you could just get away with like, you know, slapping a Doom Marine in a, you know, sci-fi setting. And that was all the story people mm-hmm. needed. Um, you know, and, and so like the fact that they went so above and beyond, like, you know, doing like the 2D animation for like a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff is 2D animated alongside like the 3D yeah. animation. Like, yeah. that's a lot of effort. Um and so, like, yeah, just just for the time period, I feel like the the presentation and storytelling is yeah a bit more noteworthy than it is yeah. today in young comparison to like, you know, games that do a lot more of this for kind an, of thing. for an FPS of that time. Yeah, and I think yeah, like my dad probably liked that. That like you you embody this character, and he's a duty as a name. He has a wife that's dead, and you want to avenge her, uh, <laughs> and you yeah. want to kill this and the kid. You want to find the kid as right, well. exactly. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I played some of it as a boy. I didn't get very far cause I was like five or six or seven. I was, I was dumb. Um, but I liked yes. going around shooting people. And, uh, I, I mean, I thought like, so I also played half-life at that time and I thought half-life was like definitely cooler, like just being fully 3d and this crazy oh, yeah sci-fi story and all these monsters and shit but like i had a soft spot for for outlaws too it wasn't like you know i i've never beaten it before this is the first time i'd ever finished it um and this was kind of it was almost like a not a what do you call it not a bucket list thing you know i'm not like i wasn't worried i was gonna die and not play it hopefully (laughs) but even (laughs) so it's like if i didn't play it before i died it wouldn't be like a huge deal but it was it was just nice to like actually see it through and be like oh this is what i was playing all those years ago and um yeah so that's that's kind of my relationship to it i had you know i've messed around with it sometimes it was i i grew up with it it was around um and now i put it to bed put it to rest i was gonna say how would you does this game hold up in your opinion i think so i think so i i have a (laughs) um (laughs) I have a fondness, I guess, for very standard FPS games. Like some people like reality television. Okay. Some people like um, watching TikTok, playing a like a first-person shooter where you just go around and kind of just shoot dudes very in a, sort of a plain manner. That's like my shit. Like mm. I could do that all day. Like I I played all the Halo games like during COVID because I was like I just need to shoot sure. something. I played Syndicate. Uh, classic probably gonna you're probably gonna cover that um yeah i was just like I, yeah i just want to shoot people um here's a random game to do that with um i mean that's why i was so interested in this podcast because i'm like oh my god it's all the games that <laughs> i want to get to because yeah. it's just so simple and be kind of kind of mindless i mean there's th- this game isn't wholly mindless especially with like some of the i guess not puzzles no, but I- yeah level yeah right yeah the the uh uh, maze like not maze i don't know just yeah sorry (laughs) some some stuff like the mines is like a little bit cryptic in regards to like navigating it and whatever chariot though there's kind of more you're more on like the other side of like 
I I've, I wanted you on the podcast because obviously I like to have Cherry and Ryder involved in my projects. But you're not really much of an FPS guy. Not really. Like, like I don't have anything in particular against first-person shooters. Like, like I play like a decent amount of stuff that is adjacent to first-person shooters. But yeah. like, you know, I in general like Comer. Yeah, that's no. a good example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Comer is a. <laughs> it's a very much it's not a proto shooter, shooter. <laughs> but like, yeah, like like you, you're shooting Yo, ideas. Shit. <laughs> um, from your noggin um but like i very much like weird in kind of stuff that's doing stuff that's very different yes um so so like like last year my, my favorite game of 2021 was cruelty squad which mm. that very much is a shooter absolutely um but like it's also such an unconventional shooter that goes out of its way to break a lot of the rules of shooter design um and graphic and, and design. like that's <laughs> yeah. like that is what kept me going through <laughs> cruelty squad was just like how abrasive and strange and surreal it was yeah whereas like something like halo like you know i had started playing halo reach um, like a couple of years ago when like the Master Chief collection came out. Uh, and, and at the time, like, you know, it, it was like a pretty hefty install on my machine because I hadn't, you know, gotten some more uh, memory yet. Yeah. And like I got to like the space level and, you know, it's just like, yeah, like, you know, this is OK. But like, you know, I, like I ended up uninstalling the game so I could have more more room to play. You know, I, I forget what I uninstalled it for, but. But like, you know, it's like it was a fine shooter, but it just like didn't really have the weirdness for me. Sure. So like, you know, I can respect like, you know, a game that's competent and feels decent to like play. But generally, like with a shooter, I want there to be something else going on on top of that you know something like nosferatu the wrath of malachi you know where it has like <sighs> yeah. this strange procedural generation and you're like rescuing mem members of your family like that's you know i hear that and i'm like oh that's really cool as opposed to like oh another game where you walk down hallways and shoot people um you know it, it takes a little more than that to get me invested in a game so I guess um, what I would ask then is, is that what about Outlaws was it that had you interested enough to like put time into it then? Uh, I, I mean, I think part of it was just like, I was blindsided by like the fact that I had never heard of it before. Sure. Like, like, you know, I, it was, it was like, okay, this game is is interesting because it you know it is late to that like you know style of game yeah and it it represents kind of like the last gasp of that style of design at least until like you know recent times where people are like intentionally making games in the style of doom where oh, like that's yeah, cool like again fury and stuff um, like that yeah and so it's like you know i thought it would be interesting from the you know just seeing like you know this game that comes out after years of all this stuff and after the world has kind of like moved on from that kind of game like like what does you know that 
style of design look like. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought like that was a, you know, that was interesting enough to like get me through the game and just see like, you know, what kind of weird stuff they, they threw into this game. Um, cause like, like it is a lot of running through hallways and shooting people, but at least like the, you know, there's some like, you know, the levels look very interesting. Like, like yeah. I thought like graphically, uh, the levels were very nice. Um, and also like, 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 you know, the story wasn't groundbreaking by any means, but, but some of the characters were kind of fun. Yeah. Um, like, so like, it was like, you know, it was a unexpected surprise for sure. Cause I was not expecting, <laughs> I was not expecting there to be any kind of like competent story. So, so when the, the game opens up with like a five minute cutscene introducing your characters, like, Oh, that was, you know, they caught me off guard. Yeah. But in a good way. It is interesting. Cause like, I I think I was a little bit like you in regards to I had only learned about the game from the Camster video and then I kind of did a little bit of like looking into it and was like, oh this is interesting and then like the the idea was pitched to do Outlaws and I was like, okay, well I'll play it and kind of see a little bit more into it. And I think the thing that shocked me most was the fact that like I looked after the fact to be like, okay, who, what LucasArts people worked on this. And the lead designer had contributed to Full Throttle, the mm. Tim yeah. Schafer point-and-click mm. adventure game. And when I knew that, I was like, kind of stuff snapped into my head of, huh, yeah, that kind of makes sense, because, like, this has, like, almost the production values of that late-era point-and-click adventure stuff that they were doing at LucasArts, where you have Full Throttle, where it is, like, we're mixing really high quality 2d art with like early 3d stuff and we know that 3d is very good at doing like hard surfaces so all the vehicles will be that but then all the characters will be hand drawn and like these really kind of not like i can't imagine like maybe big budgeted for their time which i think is kind of one of the reasons why lucas arts fell out of doing the point and click stuff because they were throwing so much money at it in regard but in returns of a lot of people were falling off it because, I mean, they were getting kind of their adventure fix and a lot of other stuff, including the FPS. And so you have this interesting, like, crossroads where it's all the things that you would like from a LucasArts um, point and click of really good voice acting, really good artwork, a lot of, like, really ambitious kind of story ideas, but in a kind of a more palatable format of an FPS. And... It is interesting that, like, controls-wise, it does feel very Doom-like, but then there are, like, some interesting tweaks to it. Like, this is maybe the only game from this period that we've covered so far, especially, like, a 2D-style game, which has, like, a zoom function on a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Like, one of the rifle that you can get mm -hmm. has a telescope on it, and the way that it works is actually, like emulated optics which is so interesting like i was like how did they do this yeah well and, and like like you mentioned like you know the like the designers coming from full throttle and like i i could kind of feel a lot of like like you know I, i've i've played some of the lucas arts adventure games mostly uh grim fandango mm. but like i think you can kind of tell that these developers have some experience with like 
um, point-and-click adventure games. Like, uh, in the second level, uh, there's, like, you know, you can pick up a pen. Yeah. And it's, like, you can go over and, like, sign, like, you can sign, like, the guest book. And if you do that, you can go under the, uh, you know, you can go under the building. And that's where, like, I that's where I found the scoped rifle. Uh And so it's, like, you know, and, and, like... Like, I know keys and stuff were kind of common for these sorts of games, but, like, you know, like, it, it felt like there was a bit more thought put into, like, the kind of adventure gamey. Yep, you know, this game has a bit of an adventure game feel. Yeah. That that a lot of other games, you know, of this style don't have. It which feels... I, I thought that was really neat. It feels certainly like an evolution from, like, doom where it is keys and locks and like this game has that but it makes sense because the keys are like prison cell key or bronze key for the outhouse and it's like okay that makes sense and then like in duke nukem you go the extra step of there's interactables but they're kind of like toys almost so like you might have a pinball machine or something like that and this game has that in regards to yeah you can fill out books and stuff but then they go the extra mile of how do we kind of combine these things together? And like in the second level, the way that you're meant to progress is you grab a shovel from a far, uh, like from a barn, and then you use that shovel to dig under like a bank to get inside of it. And it's like, huh, okay, yeah. Like much like an old LucasArts adventure game, there isn't a ton of like signposting that that's what you're meant to do. But it is really interesting that it's like, yeah, no, you're, you've made a Doom game where like just blasting people apart isn't the main way ahead. That also requires a little bit of like item gathering and smart puzzle use, which is super interesting. Like especially again, a game which is coming out the same year as like Shadow Warrior and um, stuff like that. It's trying to, like, yeah, move it more into the realm of uh, uh, LucasArts adventure games. Yeah, they, they're, they're, you, like, the realism that we're talking about is, like, they, they wanted to create a Western world, and that's what an adventure game is, right? Like, it's an excuse to, (laughs) like, they have gameplay where it's, like, puzzles and shit, but it's an excuse to create a world and create a story. Obviously, this doesn't do the story as much because there's mostly shooting and guys just yelling your name. Um, but <laughs> Marshall, <laughs> right? Marshall, come out, Marshall. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I, I think, yeah, it, it, they do all of this stuff is in service of this this world, this adventure type world. Like even like like reloading, like that's sort of realistic Ooh, yeah. and like oh, yeah. adds a sort of different feel. I mean, you know, I guess I don't know how many games had reloading at the time, but well, well, and I was even going to mention this, you know, like about like how the shooting actually felt like i i thought the way the weapons were designed was actually kind of really interesting mm-hmm. yeah largely because of the reloading because like unlike doom you, know, you can run into a room with your like you know revolver but you only have six shots yes you know so it's like like you run out of that really quickly and and then it's like you know your weapon does not have like the same level of s- sustainability that you would get in something like doom. So like I found myself like, you know, weaving in and out of combat, yeah. you know, popping around the corner, shooting a couple of guys, going back, throwing in a couple, you know, bullets and then running around to finish the rest. 
And, and most of the weapons do not have a lot of ammo. You, yeah. have, you have the revolver, um, which you know is a six shot. You, all of the shotguns were very limited on ammo. Like the only one that you could really like run in and just shoot for a while was the rifle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that wasn't even like ideal for up close and personal combat. So I don't know. I, I thought the way like reloading tied into combat, you know, gave the the shooting a bit of an interesting texture, you know, for like this yeah this style of game. And you can it, it so to the people at home, how you reload is you hold down the reload button. You don't just tap it. Um, that does that will do one bullet. It does um, one bullet at a time, which is so like no FPS game does that apart no. from this one. It feels like you are loading a gun, you know, as much as holding down one button does. Like when you're playing it in terms of game feel, it's like, oh yeah, here I am, chip, 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 you know, thumbing in all these bullets into your revolver. And it it also allows some strategy, right? Like you can just stop reloading if you want. There's automatic canceling um so that's that's kind of nice i don't know if that really helps anyone but um it's it's just versatile and it feels it feels good weirdly sometimes it's hard to crouch and reload because you're holding down both buttons but yeah otherwise (laughs) it is really funny and it does feel almost kind of like they knew they were making an fps game but they sat down and they said okay but it's a western first so what sort of things would we think about and it was almost like well well, it should be kind of a bit more of a like a like a rarity in this game. Like you are going to have to shoot people, but we want to make it so like aiming is very. I mean, I'm I'm just so I'm just going to read this quote um, uh-huh. about the game, written by uh, John Romero, uh, the inventor of Doom. I said the inventor of the Doom. He, he worked on the team. <laughs> he, lots of people worked on Doom, not just him. Um, but funnily enough, um, on Moby Games, this is one of his favorite games of all time. Huh. And huh. he says, you must play Outlaws to see what's missing from the genre. This is a highly original Western shooter that I dare say may have been the first game to introduce the first elements of today's tactical shooters like Ghost yeah. Recon. And when he says, and he, yeah, one or two shots and you're dead, do not mess up. And it's like, yeah, this does feel very Ghost Recon-y in a weird way. Like, when I was fighting, like, even though, like, when I was playing this on controller and I was doing, like, slicing the pie motions and stuff like I used to do in Rainbow Six, and it's like, huh. But in this shooter that looks like Cowboy Doom, this is weird. Yes. And that's probably huh. a function of, one... All the enemies are hit scan weapon uh, uh-huh. wielders, right? So like that—that's going to change the gameplay completely. You have to, like Charit was saying, stop and pop and like weave in and out and yep. cut the pie. I'm not sure that uh, technique. I didn't play Rainbow Six, but I, I yeah, cutting pies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if it feels very almost not proto half-life but like you know half-life's another game that has a lot of uh hit scan kind of enemies like those soldiers sure. are very you know they're like the logical next step of this whereas these guys don't really have ai they're just you know yeah, billboards kind of moving about in a space um yeah. floating around um that you know half-life had more tactile you know uh tactics it, it had a to whole like 
to those enemies. Unique, you know, like that was touted as one of the big innovations of Half-Life was like their very advanced AI system where like, you know, the guys would do barks and radio grenades to fish you out and like like all that stuff. This is like, you know, this is how, this was leading into that kind of thing, which then, yeah, leads into the ghost recon stuff. Like, you know, so I think, I think hit scan enemies is a big part of it. Um, I think that's probably most of it really. And the sort of, realistic-ish level design. You know, you're just in rooms. You're just, you know, like, breaching a house or something, basically. Yeah, no, that is very kind of Rainbow Six, isn't it? Is that, like, most of the enemies are in houses, and you do almost (laughs) breach them, like, in Rainbow Six, but you're you're the marshal in the 1800s, and these are all, like, fucking, they look like guys from Tobacco Packet, cowboy (laughs) guys, you know? It's all just it's all just the police breaking into places and killing everyone they see, you know. Oh my god. Oh yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Huh? Exactly. Um god, sorry. <laughs> I'm just laughing there. Uh God, what was I gonna say? Uh it is weird though, because it's like, as you said, these enemies will just when you're so it's funny because this does do a lot of mix of outdoors and indoors, because as we were saying yeah. earlier with the canyon level. That is nearly all outdoors, and it is such a different tone because it's mostly a lot of, like, sniping battle stuff, which is, again, you don't... I mean, Doom didn't have snipers in in it because they didn't have the technology to do it. Duke Nukem didn't do it because it was, like, it wanted to be a bit more about, like, CQC. And so you get this, and it's like, you have, like, sniper battles on the canyon, and it's like, again, I have like haven't felt anything like that since... God, I, I mean, I am trying to think of, like, FPS games which have those kind of, like, sniper battles, I guess, battlefield. I mean, there's, stuff. like, Sniper Elite. Oh, sniper um, Elite, yeah, that's a good example. But, like, being done in this engine where it is cardboard cutouts on really mm. rudimentary-looking 3D, but the fact that it is so oddly forward, it is, like, so weirdly innovative in that stuff. And... I do wonder just how much of it was from the facts of we're making a Western, so what? what's all the stuff that we want from a Western to be in it? Because I guess, as you said, with Doom, the levels are kind of illogical, but because it's a space base, you very rarely head outside because why would you want to be on the surface of Mars? It's dangerous. So it's mostly like close quarters and stuff like that versus here where they just try a bit of everything, which is so... Well, appreciated, I think, well, in my yeah. guess. You have to do that with such limited enemy variety mm-hmm. and design, right? Like, it's just yeah. dudes with yeah. either pistols, um, a shotgun, or a, a rifle. So it's like, all well, right, well, we got to change this up. <laughs> well, and, 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 like, to be fair to, to Doom, like, like, the sniping is, like, cool in the sense that, like, it's a bit novel and, like, not a lot of other games do this. But I also think, like, there's maybe a reason why, <laughs> yeah. but, but, like, beyond, sure. like, technical, like, 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 you know, when I was going through, like, the canyon level, because that was the level that, like, had this issue the most, like, kind of the optimal strategy was just to, like, you know, sit, like, 500 miles yeah. away from, from the enemy, and you could just, you know, take your time and, you know, line up your crosshair and just snipe all the enemies, like, way outside of their effective range, Mm. Um, whereas like, like, I feel like the combat, you know, was at its best when it was close quarters and you had to like, you know, juggle your weapons 
and you know re- frantically reload before they turn around and shoot you again um and so like you know having these big expansive levels is cool because like that is naturalistic and i think like you know that's neat to see but also like you know i can see why doom gravitated to more like constrained maze-like level design yeah especially with its set of enemies that really plays well like with its levels where like you know different enemies work well at different ranges yeah you have the melee guys you have the 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 projectile guys and yeah no and it's funny because one of the quotes that's um in a upcoming episode that we do about um heretic and hexen um the id guys kind of worked a little bit on that and john carmack's kind of a weird influence on the design of those and especially wolfenstein 3d and doom where the way that he says it it almost kind of sounds off like he's coming off as an annoyed programmer where it's like rather than do two things bad let's do one thing good but in the regards to like wolf 3d and especially doom he wrote this like ray casting engine which was really good at doing mazes and rendering them out very quickly but he just very kind of caught on to the fact that no it's the close quarters stuff that re and like moving really fast through close quarters which but that's what feels really good here like we and he says that the heretic guys who wanted to make like this D style fps game you can't like let's not try and aim for that level of ambition why doom worked was because doom had this particular flavor to it so just try and kind of stay within those parameters and yeah, it's interesting. Like, obviously, I said at the beginning that the fact that this was a 2D game in 97 probably didn't help it much. But I do think it is, like, it's very much like hitting the glass at the top of the engine of, like, so much stuff that they could do. And so while it is, like, really ambitious, not everything quite lands as it should. Well, and, and like, I, I also was, you know, I, I've been thinking about, like, like you know, you were thinking about other, like, you know, 2D games that, like, didn't, you know, that had these kinds of sniper battles. Um, and, like, even, like, like, were there any, like, first-person shooters in general that had sniper rifles before um, bef- before Outlaws? Like, like, I'm trying to think of no, I think... any. And, and, like, so, like, I, I feel like outlaws like it was maybe one of the earlier attempts at putting sniping in one of these games Mm. and like i think later games have figured out better how to like balance sniping like like, you know if you look at half-life like it has a sniper rifle and it's really powerful but you get a lot less ammunition for it sure um so like 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 if i got less bullets off right right yeah yeah so, you know, I think if I just got less bullets for the, the sniper rifle and outlaws, you know, like I probably wouldn't find myself defaulting to that every time I Make saw enemies a like dedicated in gun. the distance. Yeah. It was funny because I was trying to think in the top of my head. It was like, what's the like the earliest game or like what's a game that makes sense with snipe? I don't know why I said Battlefield because I barely used them there. But Halo Combat Evolved was like the first game, the first proper FPS game I could remember using the snipers in them. And the reason that the snipers worked in those levels is because they built the entire level around using the sniper. Like, they would be nighttime stealth missions where the point was that you would deal with enemies beforehand who would be, like, on very set patrol paths before you then went on to do much more else. Versus here, where 
the enemies that they they still function the same as they do in normal levels, but they just have this kind of extended view, I suppose. Which again, it's cool that this was like one of the first games to kind of try this out. But then obviously, it said that it set the bar for everybody else to go. Okay, here's you know kind of where we can improve. Yeah, uh, snipers are, I think, personally kind of inherently uninteresting or undynamic yeah. it's just like i see you from mm-hmm. afar and now i got you like the, very the only thing yeah. yeah it's just can you aim well so like you need to create good sniping missions or whatever create more interesting uh scenarios either there's another sniper after you or you know or in the case of modern warfare uh, the sniping was almost not really even the point <laughs> oh no absolutely that's why people right. had no scope uh, compilations because they didn't even bother using the scope on it yeah. <laughs> it is funny i didn't really think of that but yeah like just inherently snipers aren't very improvisational weapons and that seems to be what a lot of the fun of doom is is that oh i've run out of ammo for this weapon time to change to this or oh time to move to this place but if you just had a if there was like a level before E1M1 where you just sniped all the enemies in <laughs> E1M1, it wouldn't be that entertaining. No, no. That's no, why it, it's, it's like insert. swatting flies. Right, right exactly. Like, like, like there's there's little stakes and it's like, you know, it's a matter of time, not like whether you'll succeed. That's yeah. why sniping games are stealth games and not action games. <laughs> That's I mean, true. Yeah, partially. So Dennis made a very or good like, video about that. Or like, you know, there has to be like some kind of downside. So like in Cruelty yeah. Squad, you can yeah. you can have a sniper rifle, but like that's that's one of your two weapons. So then like you have less weapon variety for when you're dealing with enemies up close. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and like, you know, it's you can't snipe everyone. So, you know, like I, I think that game does sniping well, but you know, it balances it in a different way. Than Absolutely. Like, you know, Halo. Mm-hmm. Uh we kind of recorded these episodes out of order, but um, so one thing that I want to touch on that we can maybe talk about for a bit is uh, this is probably one of the this is one of the most interesting looking FPSs that we have covered so far in regards to like Heretic and Hexen do kind of have like illust well they're not illustrations they almost they're like Doom in regards to like their 3D models or 3D looking models that they've shrunk down into sprites, but they're very mm-hmm kind of toony looking but this is like this looks like the hand like the levels and the characters that you fight against and even the hood and stuff look like the hand-drawn animation stuff that they do and the hand-drawn animation stuff they do looks like late era LucasArts like full throttle style um What's uh what's the third Monkey Island game called? If I can't remember, is the Secret of Monkey Island, Return to Monkey Island, and then Curse of Monkey Island, I think? I don't know. But it's yeah, like it's has like full like 2D animation in it. Oh, Sam and Max as well kind of has that. And it is like mm. super impressive looking. And this has it in regards to Well, not only do you have the intro well, there's two things. So in the introduction, you have the beginning animation, which is the most fucking 90s in-carter multi multimedia looking animation i have ever <laughs> seen of th- they do like comedy credits of like yeah. introducing all the people who yeah. worked on the game and th- all the text animates in a in a means that is reflective <laughs> of what they do so the project manager the letters in his name are all scattered like sheep 
and then his name comes in to round it all up. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, this is very, uh, like, Bill Nye, 1990s, you know, hey, we, we got this 3D animation package, let's see what we can do with it. And then that smash cuts to your wife being <laughs> and your daughter being hit there. But that, that, that beginning animation is really interesting, because again, it's like, you can definitely tell they're super, super influenced by, like, you know, cowboy, you know, westerns and stuff like that. I mean, you know, the, the difficulty setting is literally good, bad, and ugly. The music sounds like um, uh, Sergio Leone's, you know, scores to those, to the Dollars trilogy. And, like, you expect it, and, and again, like, the story itself is very kind of, Guy used to be a sheriff, he retired to live on the farm. But oh no, there's barons come in and he wants to, oh, I need that farmland so I can build like a railway track on it because that's what they were doing in the Wild West times. They were building that sort of stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go get revenge. But it looks so odd. Well, not odd. Just in, it's, it's got a very kind of like 90s Nickelodeon look to it is the only <laughs> way I can really describe it. Oh. I wouldn't have compared it to Nickelodeon, but I also didn't watch much Nickelodeon, so... No, that's fair. Like, 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 you know, I've seen, like, the full throttle animations, and it looked pretty similar to those. Yeah. So, I I guess, like, I I wouldn't have made, like, the, you know, like, this is a specifically 90s thing, but but that's probably my Gen Z speaking. (laughs) I was thinking kind of like Ren and Stimpy, um, Class B, Chris Bobes. Zach, you kind of know a bit more what I'm, like thinking of yeah i mean yeah we've got a previous rugrat voice acting the daughter uh oh yeah <laughs> oh. I, I don't know her name but lil uh the girl who plays lil plays oh, the yeah. the daughter the daughter the daughter yeah i i will say the one thing i i had to note i was re-watching the cutscenes before we started talking um your dude's arms are fucking long oh yeah shit. you have oh your yeah guy is a genuine like before he was a sheriff he was an orangutan yes exactly. he has got the lanky kong ass arms i have ever he seen he could walk on his knuckles and, and it's so and, it, yeah. and, the, and the moment i noticed it is meant to be the sad moment where he buries his exactly wife, and he's he holding the shit on his, his hat on his yeah, yeah. <laughs> his arms are like twice as long as like normal people's arms and it's like wait what and yeah and he puts the hat on and his like elbow is all the way down to his knee and it's like what the fuck longest arms in the west oh truly (laughs) that's why he was the sheriff he could put his um pistols out the longest um (laughs) but yeah so there there is that cartoony style to it clearly yeah it's very kind of not it's gross out but not in the way that like ren and stimpy spongebob you know they, they they have a static image of like you know somebody's face close up but very, but like all the proportions are super kind of ex- like I don't want to call them wonky. I think it's very intentional, yeah, very kind of exaggerated yeah. to the extent of f- fucking Doctor Death, the guy who kills your wife, Dude. and that mouth. Oh, he oh, has his, so, his teeth. like he has he has like <laughs> really tiny teeth and hundreds of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, I um, don't know what happened to his. Teeth, he's voiced but... by um, Q from Star Trek, uh, John Delancey. Also, um, the um, Chariot, you've been watching this recently, Breaking Bad. Uh, did you finish season two? Uh, I did finish season two. So, do um, you know um, spoilers for Breaking Bad to people who've never seen it? Um, 
you know Jane, um, as Jesse's girlfriend who dies. Yes, her dad, who is the air traffic controller, that's him. Oh, oh shit! I saw that oh, picture oh, online, really? and I was like, "Who is this guy? Why do I know his face?" Wow. Um, yeah, famous for playing Q on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Jane's dad, who <laughs> causes the plane crash in Breaking Pad, and Doctor <laughs> Death in 1997's Outlaws. He's a man of many talents. <laughs> God, um, but yeah, I'm just Man. thinking of because um, a funny thing that I kind of want to mention as well is the fact that like at the beginning of the game, your guy is oh, I'm a retired sheriff. Oh, that life was never really for me. And then oh, my wife's dead. Well, I'm gonna go get rid. But he seems quite temperate all the way through. But then yeah, I notice with the log guy, <laughs> they in the animation, dude, yeah. The log guy just falls on the log, and then it's like in Austin Powers where the the flattener is fl- rolling towards the guy. It's <laughs> slowly. This guy on the log is going towards the cutter as slowly as possible, and at no point does Marshall. I can't even remember. Is John something? I, um, Anderson, just, Mr. John Anderson, Anderson. Mr. Yes. Anderson. So John Anderson doesn't intervene at any point, and then the guy dies, no. and then he goes, "Shame." I wanted to talk to him. He like picks up the pipe and it's like, you know, yeah, that, that I hadn't thought about like how long he was on the, the log, but yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Um, I, I, oh, sorry. Uh, I, I just wanted to say yeah. something about the story a little bit. There's not much, but like, you know, so at the beginning of the game, there's this the extended cutscene. You know, you you leave the farm. You're going to go buy groceries or rose the water store. for my wife. Rose yes. water, yeah. What's that fancy fancy flower water? Rose water. Rose okay. water. Oh. She's a very she's a very lucky lady, Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> she's got she great, doesn't die while you're not here. Wow. <laughs> she's got great taste, Mister Anderson. She smells nice too. <laughs> uh, anyway. Little oh. sex joke in there. <laughs> anyway, um, so <laughs> he he's talking. He's talking to the guy, and the the guy's like, you know, he's trying to. So, I guess he, Marshall, the Marshall, Marshall got fired. I, I guess because he was killing people who you know didn't get a fair trial, and Marshall seems to be kind of understanding of that decision or you know he yeah. he's sort of saying like yeah well he, he he's like you know there's no such thing as an innocent yeah exactly that's what i was gonna say <laughs> like, right the guy's like well oh, you never God. killed anyone who's innocent and he's like i never met an innocent man and it's like okay so like is that sort of everyone deserves a chance because no one's innocent <laughs> or are you just going to murder everyone? Yeah. Well, well, and it's like, like if this guy has only gone off like the script once and like murdered a couple of people that he wasn't supposed to, you know, before they got their trial. And then like the next day, like this happens and he just guns down hundreds everyone. of people, yeah. hundreds like, of people like, in 10 gallon hats. It doesn't even matter if they, uh, they're aggressors. As long as you wear a hat and you have the same Sprite as you're these right. Bad, yeah. Because the guys who, the, the, the civilians, none of them wear hats. That's none true. The, yeah. The, the guys are so true. <laughs> I, li- I really like that touch as well as that. Like all the townspeople are in the jail. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, 
I, I guess that goes back to like the whole like naturalistic you know world stuff where it's like you know you don't find like the prison where they throw all the scientists and doom that's right? true like 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 yeah just just another example of that yeah stuff yeah i didn't even it, think that they put those people in there to like house the like you know they took over the town i didn't even think of that that's smart shit no and it's cool because it is like such a touch of like in every in any other game they would just go to the cruelty of well there's nobody in town because they're all dead so it almost yeah. kind of has almost a bit of a song and cheek thing of oh no all the townsfolk oh they're in the jail and all the people who should <laughs> be in jail they're in town it's like oh you're gonna go sort them out here and it's like at the beginning, it's like okay, that's really cute. <laughs> and then you get to t- fighting Doctor Death in the mines, where he almost falls down the mine shaft, and he goes, "Oh, you gotta believe, you gotta believe me, Marshall. She's inside the house." And then you start walking away, and he goes, "I'm glad I killed your wife, though." And you go, hmm, "Well, there's no point interrogating this guy anymore." I'm going to use the cigar to burn the rope that's holding him in place so he can fall to his death. And it's like, that's pretty cool, Johansson. Yeah, he's a cold motherfucker. There is literally the, the scene before that, though, which I want to mention, which made me laugh, is they cut back to the Baron's house and the Baron's just like, ooh, that, ooh, that Anderson, he's making stuff tough for me. And they cut to Dr. Death and he's like, uh, I can't even remember what he says, and he's like, well, the guy's mentally ill, so you should put him out of his misery. And then Dr. Death goes, oh, good, I was hoping for justification for what I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it immediately cuts to his 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 wife or, like, his, his woman partner who just goes, and I'll deal with the girl. Yeah, and then you gun her down in the level, and, uh... <laughs> and, yeah. and that's that that's her exit that's the one line of dialogue she got that is literally all she got um gosh uh it's a it's a very cool game though i mean yeah the graphics are like i mean i haven't even mentioned the hoods which yeah even though you and you individually well you can individually or hold to load your bullets but the way that your bullets are represented are like an old-fashioned um like uh cash register like where the little um like paper slots come up and the same with your health and it's i don't know it's, it's just a cool little touch yeah everything is everything fits the style yeah even like your your uh stamina meter i don't know if you realize because like the stamina meter you have to like press a button to show it um yeah. but it's like a little like thermometer that's like a little thermometer yeah. or something yeah like a little so it's all it all works. thermometer so the only thing I didn't do was beat this game. So I assume you. What the hell? Oh, oh you didn't. I, I tried. Are my, you did, ever going to beat did, a game? I tried. Are you ever going to beat one of these? I beat black. <laughs> did, oh shit! All right. did, did you at least get to the uh, final level? Like, like, did you at least start? That was why I stopped because I was having a bit of a tough time, and I was just like, you know what? I'll, oh, okay. I'll, I'm, I'm done. I'll, I'll have a look on Wikipedia. I'll see how this <laughs> game ends. I guess. I should have watched a clip on YouTube. That might that might have maybe made a bit more sense. Then I could have known what happened. I assume you stop the Baron and get your daughter back, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and like, but the. Oh, sorry. Well, like you know, I thought like the last level was really cool because like you, know, you spend the whole game like building up this arsenal of weapons, which most of them aren't like you know super distinct. Like three of them are shotguns that are functionally almost identical. <laughs> but then, like, you know, in this final level, you get captured by the bandits and, like, you start with just your fists. Yeah. And you just, like, f- like, 
fight back for all of your weaponry at, right as you go up to like this final climactic you know battle like like i thought that was a really interesting curveball to throw right at the end of the game yeah. you know um, what did that what half-life a year later yes, it did. they stole oh my god <laughs> half-life does exactly the same thing yeah wow this game is 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 forward thinking. Gabe Newell was like, "Stop the presses! Put, 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 push on the put up the handbrake. We need to change everything. Look at this game. It's called Outlaws. We need to copy <laughs> well, and, their and sniper you, and their ending. Well, and, and they and they stole the desert too. You know, it's like, and oh, the man, desert, like, oh, yeah. this game is a really good desert. You know, we have to put that in Half Life now. <laughs> God." It's all so blatant now. I hate that game now. <laughs> you really turned against Half Life. Oh god. Um, are there any uh, any cool stuff that happens in the game that we want to mention before uh, we uh, talk, I, talk about other stuff? I mean, I don't know if it's cool per se, <laughs> but I, I have to give a special shout out to the uh, the sawmill level because mm. that level uh, that th- it's probably my least favorite. Like. It is it is the one that feels the most labyrinthine in yes, the yeah. like worst way. Where <laughs> like most of the level, like I'd already gunned down like you know, the like the enemies were not hard to deal with, but just like figuring out like which pathway I hadn't gone down, because most of the rooms looked pretty They're similar. Identical. They 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 look <laughs> identical. There's like five different paths that you have to clear. Um, and then like one of them, like, like, like the part where you go up into the like big water tank and you have right. to like go down the water slide yeah. and like, you know, and there's like these, uh, levers and I thought you had to like, you know, interact with them like every other button in the game. Um, and so like, I was trying to like, you know, jump in the water to like press the lever to like, you know, change it. Uh, I didn't realize you could just shoot them. Um, yeah. Until, uh, like, I'd gone down that water slide, like, five times. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any other objects in the game that you shoot and it does something besides kill a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is the one. Like, like, like you know, I, I played one of the historical missions. Uh, it was, like, the mm, Civil oh, War one. I didn't finish that one, but, uh, you know, I, I was just wanting to see what those were like. And that one, like, if you shoot out the lights, like, it puts fire everywhere. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. So like like that's cool, but like that's not really a you know that nothing's tied to that with progression. It's just a neat visual effect. Sure. Um. So um, um, I mean, you have played this game before, but I guess on this replay, did you try any of the historical missions? N- no, I did play them as a boy, as a lad, though. Yeah. Um. Just because they, you know, I didn't have to progress through a story. It was kind of a one and done deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I, I, I like started the Civil War one, but then I was like, I'm good. I'm done shooting people like this. So in the <laughs> in the GOG release, which I think, um, uh, so Cherry, you played the GOG version, I'm guessing. Right? Uh, I played the Steam release actually. Oh, okay. Um, um, um Zach, what about you? Did you or did you have like the original oh, disc? Yeah. You, Steam or GOG? Oh, I've got I've got the GOG. Okay, because um, in the, the GOG version, and I believe in the Steam version, it's called Outlaws plus um, a fistful, a handful uh, of missions, handful of missions, and yeah. basically the way that that worked was that like the historical missions were some that were in the base game, and it's kind of weird because I was trying to find like interview stuff about it, but I was mostly just found like a lot of 
people who had wrote about the game after the fact. And it seemed like the historical missions were basically like a late edition where they quite liked the game and they wanted to do more with it. But the way that they had written the plot and done the cutscenes, there wasn't really a lot of wiggle room to do much more. So the whole like yeah. thing with the historical missions were, well, we got some ideas that we want to try out and you know, these don't have to be super fleshed out, but it's weird because it's like you could play them before the main missions because it's almost like a bit of a, like you get like a little tutorial area where you get like access to all the weapons and you can try them out. And then basically you go on, as you said, these little one and done missions, which like you do the missions in the main game and it's treated like as cinematically as, as could be in 97 where you have a cutscene, you have cutscene bookends, but you don't get like, you know, but then that's it. But then in the missions themselves, it's more kind of doom like where you get the little high score screen at the end of like every mission that you do. And it's way more encouraging in regards to, oh, replay these levels and go for kind of higher scores and better kills and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, this is again, like sort of like how they have the open areas where they're a bit more snipey and then the close quarter stuff. This is kind of experimenting with how much can we kind of squeeze out of this engine and out of this concept. And then with, handful of missions where they add the civil war stuff to it It, again like it's them trying to push the concepts a little bit more handful of missions is so weird though because apparently like it was one of the first examples of like online dlc like you went to lucasarts website to download them and this was like in 98 or 99 um you could also get them from like pc gamer magazine they would just like come on a disc in a paper slip so very interesting neat well and you mentioned like them like doing weird stuff like i didn't play all of them i also like you know was messing around a little bit in one of you know i I was playing those a little bit before jumping on the podcast yes but uh one of them it's an ice level yeah (laughs) uh and and it it, you know it has the 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 platformer you know yeah like like people a lot of people dislike the platformer ice levels. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I have to say like, you know, doom style first person shooters do not do ice levels particularly well. No, um, it, it was not, you know, it was a lot of just strange movements, you know, on top of kind of like, well, where do I go? You know? And it's like, Oh, you have to platform, but like saving the game takes like an extra 10 seconds. Cause it's, you know, because of modern PC wonkiness. Sure. So, you know, it was just, it was just not, you know, fun sliding around. I didn't have trouble saving the game. I don't know what y'all were talking about. Like, like, like it would save, it would just like do the hitch thing Mm. where like, it would do the hitch thing where he'd come out and say, okay, when you want to talk to women, you got to be all about, (laughs) (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) Turn around now, hit it. (laughs) Turn around now, switch. Um, God, uh, multiplayer is something that I didn't get to try, but I did do a little bit of research into. Did oh, yeah. I review, I guess, I suppose, Chariot, you, did you get like much of a chance to like look, have a look at it or like? Uh, I did not. No, I, um, in fairness, so this is no the one thing with it. like some of the older episodes of older episodes. Some of the episodes of Bullet will do about older stuff is that like we'd love to tap into the multiplayer stuff, but like 
finding people to play those games with and like getting those running is a bit of a pain. Well, actually, yeah. actually, I was watching, uh, <laughs> I was watching a full, I was watching the full playthrough of the game to look at the cutscenes, mm-hmm. like just before we started. And there was a YouTube account that was like, Hey people, if you want to join our, like community we still play outlaws multiplayer or whatever that's really funny i was about to mention that um to do research for the multiplayer to see what it was like which again single player is playing around with a lot of different ideas in regards to it's a doom build style game but they try a lot of different ideas in regards to the tone that they're going for level design and stuff like that handful of um handful of missions does a little bit similar with the um throwback stuff but then with the multiplayer, it is almost kind of weirdly class-based in regards to the six playable characters, and they all have different stats, and they all have different special abilities as well. Like some are quicker than the other ones, some are heartier than the other ones, and they're all derived from characters that are in the main campaign. So like the bosses. Yeah, Anderson oh, and Dr. Death, and yeah, and the bosses as well. So it's weird that it's kind of like this proto hero shooter in a weird way well where well, you have like you know like an fbs it's like team fortress it like, is like it's like know, it's um, like pve team fortress although it does have deathmatch and team deathmatch which i guess makes it more like team fortress in a weird way but what well, the interesting thing well, that and like, like was this would that predate the, that right like, yes okay team c- fortress c- c- oh, yeah. that, was, that was in quake yeah yeah, no, so um, think, Team Fortress like, 1 is in Quake. Is it Quake Arena or is it in Quake? Because Quake 1 came out in 96, and I don't know. Um, let me have a quick look. When when did Team Fortress 1 come out for Quake? Uh, 1996. Okay, so this would have predated um, okay. Outlaws. And Outlaws, I guess, is doing it in a bit of a different way as well, because they're not like classes so much as they're just like characters with their own special again though it is it's it's, it would be like in overwatch where it was pve and like it was one of each person in a weird way but yeah the reason i mentioned that i found that youtube channel is that people are still playing it and not only that they are modding in content and did you see the clip that i saw which is that they've been modding in levels from call of duty Wait, no, what? I, I hadn't seen this. Okay, so they had gone to the effort of using... So I forgot to mention, actually, so the name of the engine that they built this in was the Jedi engine, which was LucasArts' own internal build style. And the way... And it worked exactly like build in regards to... It did it based on, like, partitions, which is why you could have, like, rooms on top of each other and stuff like that. But... um they were able to basically use like a modified version of the Jedi engine to build levels. And they were recreating levels from Call of Duty, including Nuketown from Black Ops. (laughs) Oh my. And it's so weird watching it because in my head I was going, yeah, this is kind of weirdly like Call of Duty, you know, online maps, which have like a decent mix of close, like fast moving close quarters. And then, you might have a sniper's alley or, and again, like the one thing that we, we sort of touched on a little bit is that like this game has a lot of outsides and insides. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, well, yeah, we talked about it earlier. There's a lot of like breach tactics and stuff very much like Call of Duty, 
which is all in play when you're watching the multiplayer stuff. And it is so just weird watching it because it's like, this is something that I recognize, but like in this old fashioned technology. I got to watch this. I got to yeah, see this happening. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It's very well, neat. And, and like, you know, it is always interesting seeing like, you know, because like this is something that I think is relatively common where like, you know, people will like take a, you know, they'll they'll take a famous multiplayer map and they'll just port it to other games. You yeah. Know, like, like this happens a lot with like a two fort from Team Fortress 2 or they'll like bring those other maps into Team Fortress or like, you know. De dust, and so like it, you know, Nuketown is one. I, I'm trying to think of like other games that have added Nuketown, you know, through fan mods and content. I was gonna say fan mods. I can't think of, but I was gonna say that like Call of Duty War Zones is a weird example of they try to make a battle royale map out of maps from previous Call of Duty multiplayer maps, and so. You can walk from like one map to another, and you can walk from like, say, a foundry map to Nuketown. It's just in the middle of the world, kind of thing. It's very neat, but yeah, just like it is very cool. Just that kind of thing of, oh, I have tools to like recreate stuff. Like, I'd love to know like if somebody's tried to like recreate Nuketown in like Halo Forge or something like that. I'm sure that's probably. <laughs> I looked it up and, and you know apparently someone has made it in a GTA online. Oh, okay. Um, what? Interesting. I didn't know the GTA online mod tools were like that decent really, but um that's neat. That's just the first thing that comes up, so wow. you know, I don't know any details, but That's all right. But oh. uh, Nuketown and GTA. Very cool. Uh would GTA online exist without outlaws? Maybe, but I'm gonna open. I'm gonna. The question is being thrown to. Um, I've, I'm thrown into the. I'm thrown into the. Uh, to the panel. What do we think? What hmm. would GTA Online exist without Outlaws? Yeah. This is I bait. mean, don't even. It almost certainly would. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> like. Don't even give know. him the satisfaction, Alex. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna sustain a moment of silence for three minutes. Go for free? Oh, not for three minutes. Three it's minutes. Absolutely not. Starting uh, now. Oh god. Uh, is there? I want to say because we haven't really touched upon this too much in bullet time. Actually, I don't even really know if I want to touch upon it here. But um, in my notes, I had written "bad shooter bingo," which I think the idea was. Oh, what's some of it? What are some of the cardinal sins of an FPS game that this accidentally commits? And all I literally wrote was the levels are kind of confusing. Which, yeah, I guess maybe that is a bad FPS thing. Of um, it has got slightly confusing level layouts, but after a while, you do figure them out. So it's not that. Bad. I I did get stuck like twice. Yeah, there were you know there there were yeah the sawmill got me stuck for quite a while yeah. and and like it took me a little bit to figure out the um the one in like the pueblo yes. cliffside dwelling yeah. level there's like um, a bridge that like descends out of the ceiling and the button for it like 
I, you should oh, be using your lantern yeah. more, I guess, but it wasn't. So I couldn't really see this button. It blended in. It's a, it's like a texture on a wall. Like I'm not, you know, it doesn't, they don't make it obvious. Mm-hmm. That's like, Oh, here's a bridge. Like, so I had, I had to look that up. I had, I was stuck for 30 minutes just running well, around. Well, it, well, like earlier there was the, uh, um, like, like interactable, like wheels in the wall and you had to like, you know, put in the right code. Oh, yeah. In order to like unlock the secret panel um and like the first time i did that like i just completely guessed and got it so when i got to like the next one it took me forever to figure out what to do um uh, well also like like i didn't even realize those were interactable for <laughs> yeah. quite a while mm. um like like most of that level was okay like like you know that that i was a little concerned because you know you had to pick up these stone tablets and I was like, oh, no, is this going to be like a massive key hunt? Uh, fortunately, like it was not too bad. Yeah, no, um, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's pretty easy. Right, to find. They're on the main path. Yeah. Like, like, right. Um, I will say like that level was a little weird because yeah. like, you know, I, 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 this kind of goes back to what we were saying about like the uh, enemy variety and stuff. But like, you know, the the boss of that level is like a it's a Native American man yeah and, and uh you know I, I was just not quite sure about that whole like it kind of felt like it was veering into questionable western territory yeah, yeah that that with, sort of felt well, like where well we're, we're paying homage to western films which means we also have to have this shitty inclusion to be kind of like so so like it feels like what we're parodying but it's but he was wise and and sympathetic it's good well yeah like he was like he was the only like sympathetic villain um which like like but it's weird that he was a villain as well because again like it's the whole effort it it was the thing that i mentioned earlier which is just you shoot a random guy and it (laughs) turns out that was the guy you were meant to shoot and so you just have your bloodthirsty anderson kills this guy who then goes oh I guess you. I, I guess this is how I die, and he's like, "Wait, what? Why? Wait, you're not a cowboy. Like, what I do?" No, well, he's like, "Oh yeah, like I I know what it's like to fight for my kids yeah, or, or yeah. something like that." Yeah. Oh, by um, the way, I know what your um, daughter is. Well, well, and, and like I had read the manual beforehand. Oh, wow. and and I'm pulling this up because it gives a little bit more of like his backstory. <laughs> Where, like, I think his whole thing was, like, he was trying to be forced onto a reservation, so he fought back against the government. Um, and that's why he became, like, an outlaw. Um, I'm just scrolling down to where it, it describes him. Uh, okay, so, so so this is what it says in the, ma- in the manual. Okay. Um, Chief Two Feathers, a Navajo Indian leader, he and a handful of his warriors refused to surrender when his people were rounded up by the army and taken to a reservation. This once noble warrior has turned to stage and pony express robbery to buy weapons and ammunition for his gang of renegades. Um, well, and like, like one, like we don't see any other Native Americans in the game. No. Like, like all of the people fighting in that level, like they're all white, like... Yeah, like, they're, they're, all the, they're all the outlaws. fucking the, the chewing gum oh. cowboys that you've been fighting for the rest <laughs> of the game. Yeah, it's just like, would this person really ally themselves with, like, <laughs> this particular person? Like, the person who's buying up all the land to make, like, for the like a city? Like, 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 that's, like, the motivation of, like, you know, the the, the big bad. 
like it it felt he felt out of place yeah with everyone else like like <laughs> it was a weird I, I agree it was a bit of a weird misfire considering that like all of the other enemies are kind of just like shitty mercenaries who again are working for this company guy who you know classic western villain and also kind of an ironic western villain because it's like well i guess we know that eventually he wins because i live in a city right now but um you know again like having this poor navajo guy in it that you just shoot unceremoniously <laughs> is like yeah a bit of a yeah. bit of an odd misfire yeah, like like after shooting up, like you know his home, like like pueblo uh, style, um, like living, like like it's like the cliff dwelling. Uh, you know, I've been to like some of these uh, cliff uh, cliff dwelling um, sites, yeah. and like they're really interesting and historical. And you've just been blasting shotguns into the wall, and you know, it's, I don't. That whole level just felt really weird from that whole perspective yeah. yeah the tone was a bit off um on that note where do we feel outlaws kind of fits in the canon of like western video games which weirdly there isn't a lot of not as like yeah versus like sci-fi um, and world war Two and stuff like that you feel like there would be more westerns and there are like a bunch of western fps games i mean there are a there's a lot of bullets here, uh, bullets, a lot of bullet time yeah, caliber gun. ones as well, which we will probably mm-hmm. like. Gun, Red Dead, Revolver, Dark Wars, um, the Call of Juarez games. But like, I think to most people, if you say Western game, they would think, "Oh, Red Dead Redemption and two. Yeah. Like those are the only, yeah, decent well, ones." But well, well, in like. I remember Noah Caldwell Gervais talking about this in, uh, I think it was his Red Dead Redemption video, mm. where, like, you know, the Western became so popular in the film industry because it was really cheap to film. You could yes. just roll out a bunch of cameras in the middle of nowhere, you know, put some guys on some ponies, and, like, you have a movie. Um, and, but, like, for games, like, it, it was kind of exactly the opposite, uh-huh. where like having these big expansive vegetation filled like can't like like intricate expansive landscapes is really expensive mm-hmm. for like game design especially as games have gotten like you know increasingly higher fidelity um you know so like you know it's a lot of money to make a western game uh-huh. um and and so like like I think that is definitely contributing to it. Yeah. I also just think like, you know, westerns had probably fallen out of like being super super popular by the time video games were really coming into vogue. Oh, sure, so, yeah. And like like games are getting big around the time of like the horror, like the VHS horror booms, which is why you kind of get those style of games, but also they kind of aimed at a younger audience as well, which is kind of why they lean a bit kiddier as well in some respects. But and kind of as we like as we kind of like keep touching on with Doom, like with Carmack and Romero, like that game is so smartly designed in regards to, well, we built an engine which is really good at drawing mazes very quick. So why don't we sense it on a space station in Mars? You know? So like 
And that contributes to the whole sort of sci-fi shooter thing, because people go, oh, this works. Why don't we use the Alien license and Star Wars and make it work in this? Which, I mean, the fact that LucasArts never make another Outlaws, but like this comes out the same year as a second Dark Star Wars Dark Forces game, I think kind of does contribute to the fact as well of, yeah, just that's sort of what the industry's wavelength was, and I guess still kind of is. Well, yeah, well, and it's like in the decades that fought, you know, like now, like, you know, I feel like the technology is definitely there to make, like, it's easier to make a Western now. Sure. You know, at least for, like, indie, you know, if you're not aiming to be, like, Red Dead Redemption 2, where the horse testicles shrink in the cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's like, an important part of the genre, know, but okay. But, like, you know, as games are kind of, like, building off of what comes before, like, like, there's a lot of nostalgia and fondness for like all these old sci-fi shooters yeah so like you know it's like oh well we're gonna make a callback to doom and quake so you know it's gonna be sci-fi and horror and gothic stuff where like there's not a lineage of like western themed games to like you know recreate and like draw back on no like modern at least like it's not as like like there's some you know there's like weird west and, like, you know, there are Western games, but, like, they pull more on other genre, like, they pull more on, like, film and literature mm. than, like, old games. Yeah, because, like, like know, Red, Dead, not- Red Dead Redemption doesn't have much reverence for Red Dead Revolver. It's more kind of taking from, yeah, like, John Ford films and, like, Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah. God. I don't know. Could we? Could we see a? I mean, it is funny. Like before we um started recording the podcast, that you did send me a link, which was oh yeah, somebody was working on an Outlaws. They were trying to remake Outlaws in Unity, and it didn't look bad, but it did kind of look like very Unity demo-y. Like the thing that was most unique to what the Outlaws stuff is that they'd imported the sprites for like the character shooting and like punching and stuff like that. Which I don't know looked pretty neat. Did you? But, you didn't. Um, you didn't like play it or mm-hmm. anything. You didn't. Oh no, I did. Yeah, I, I gave it a little go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's interesting. Some of the the I guess maybe quality of life improvements or like specifically what yes. I was thinking about was the shooting. Mm-hmm. So they kind of figured out how to bridge the gap between a uh, hit scan game and a. Uh, projectile game where they have bullets with yeah. trails that I think probably move a bit. They probably are technically projectiles. Um, so they kind of fixed that at least, you know, not that I don't think this game had the original had a problem with that too much. I think enemies no. hold their, hold their fire mm-hmm. long enough for you to sort of react. It's almost like a, you know, it's like a gun range. And if you, if you get, if you don't aim and shoot fast enough, that's when you get punished. Um, so like yeah, so I don't think Outlaws really had a problem, but at least this uh, this remake I thought was interesting was kind of trying to deal with that sort of problem, and also I think it has it has headshots, um, which is yes. interesting, and mm-hmm. I mean being able to see your bullets where they go is kind of nice because at yeah. least in the original, it's sort of I don't know if there's auto aim or like kind of the bullets are magnetized to the enemies or like what what it is i think there is also because i think it's one of the options in the menu is like um they don't call it auto aim though oh okay but it is 
damn, I should have yeah. maybe, well, I don't know if I wanted to, actually, I don't know if mm-hmm. I would have turned that off. That might've been miserable if the bullets were, cause they kind of have like a spread to them. Like even the revolver and stuff, like you don't know if it's going directly yeah. straight. Yeah. Well, and, and like, like, like I played with the crosshair off. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> like, you know, well, and, and like, you know, it wasn't too hard, but like, I don't know, like, like for a game that's already so like, quote unquote, like immersive, yeah, like true. You know, it, it, it felt a bit gamey to turn on, you know, a crosshair and like I got through just fine without it. So, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't too bothered by not having mm-hmm. one, but mm-hmm. like it, it, it makes it really hard to tell. Like, Ilya, it is auto aim a thing because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would aim and like sometimes it, it, you know, it would be hard to tell if it was my aim or just the game being weird. Yeah. Uh, that caused me to miss right and i don't think that's um, a big problem um no but no. it's it's a little like annoying i guess sometimes yeah well well and like on the subject of like you know outlaws coming back uh like i was also like outlaws reminded me a little bit of you know a game that's still in development called fallen aces oh yeah have, have oh, either of you seen yeah. that game? you know it, that, it did uh, every a time fallen i see aces. fallen aces i'm like the outlaw style is back but i think fallen aces is a bit more has a bit more going on than outlaws <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like wild. it seemed a bit immersive sim. yeah, yeah um, it does have a mess i mean so fallen aces is like a i think new blood are publishing it and it has got that kind of it's just you just see a twit a new twit a minute long Twitter video every two weeks of here's something that we've added. You can now throw boxes or yeah. you can tickle people and stuff like that. Yeah, and but um, it does very much have. It reminded me a little bit of. Did, did, have have either of you played Void Bastards? Yeah. Uh yes. It has a, a little bit of that art it style does, where yeah. it is three D world, but like again, like if they re like if they did because it's funny because um. Full Throttle got a remaster of sorts where they redrew all of the artwork to be high res. And I almost wondered, like, if they did the same thing for Outlaws where they redid all the artwork to be high res, like, would it look kind of like Void Bastards or like Fallen Aces where, yeah, it has like a very specifically comic booky look to it. And like, you know, would they lean into that? Would they add like sound effects and stuff like that? Or would they try and like stick more in the thing of, well, they were sort of aiming for naturalism, but with this Courage the Cowardly Dog art style. <laughs> I just imagined a version of this game where instead of, like, drawn comic book characters, they just had photos of people, and it really made me upset. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. It's like Mortal Kombat. I do not like how the old Mortal Kombats look. I really don't like that, like, photo of an actor oh, style. Oh, digitized actors. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. that's not my yeah. bad. I, I mean, like, you know, Street Fighter, like, like Street Fighter 2, I think, holds up visually a lot better than, like, oh, yeah. Mortal the, the Mortal oh, Kombat. Yeah. You know, it just is a lot more appealing artistically. I always think about that in regards to Donkey Kong Country, where I think the backgrounds still look really good in that game, but the characters themselves have, like, a kind of a weird Thank ugly you. factor to them, which... I don't know if they could remake that no. in that way. <laughs> no, I mean, I I, I kind of like the approach that they take for like the the most recent Donkey Kong yeah games. You know, like 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 just going full three D. Oh yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that works really well. Yeah, you know, while still feeling like the old games. Yeah, the graphics are like good enough that they can do that kind of like lush 
you know, 10 layers of depth to a level kind of look and, you know, still have it run pretty well. Um, but God, yeah, Outlaws with like digitized graphics. It is funny that in all of this, I forgot to mention, and the whole reason that I brought up um, Full Throttle to begin with was that all the horses are CGI and you can tell because they move in cutscenes, they move Ooh, so stiffly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It is bizarre. And the, and then that cutscene with the the Baron or whatever when he's telling all oh, the yeah, dudes. Oh yeah, they do the turnaround yeah, yeah. and he just and, and he turns into the guy from the Money yes. for Nothing video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, oh. I get it. They wanted to do this cool camera move around the character. It would have been really hard to animate a two D character where the camera is like. On sure. A, I don't even know, like yeah. rotating um, the circle, the semicircle around him. But yeah. It's cute though. It feels oddly scrappy for LucasArts, yeah. which is it, it, it feels like an earlier version of what like would turn yeah, into Grim exactly. Fandango. Yeah, like, like Grim Fandango feels like a refined version of like the three D like aesthetic in this. I'm very like built around limitations, like the fact that they all have those flat faces with highly. Well, not like super detailed textures, but they have like those animated textures for like talking and stuff feels like one, a bit of a limitation of what they can do, but two, like, oh, well, we can do that limitation into like a creative choice almost, which, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think if they were to remake this, yeah, like I would like to see them kind of lean on some of those limitation elements. Cause I do think again, in um, Outlaws, it kind of gives it a bit of a creative edge as well. Well, and, like, I also just think, like, you know, mechanically, like, if they were to remake this, like, I think leaning more into the, like, adventure game oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, that would, like, like, that would be really cool. Like, more stuff like, like, the guest book, where, like, mm. you know, if you, like, solve, like, the adventure game puzzle, you'll, like, find, like, a secret, you know, secret stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know where they would put it, but, like. Yeah, know, I think. That, that would be, you know. The game already has that, and like I feel like it could put it in to a lot more of the game. Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, maybe lean in a bit more stealth side of stuff. Maybe have it so your guy isn't as bloodthirsty. <laughs> have like you know multiple ways to deal with foes <laughs> other than just shooting them. I don't. I mean, obviously at this point, I'm just I'm just trying to like describe you know cowboy Deus Ex. Right. I mean, again, I don't know how in semi fallen aces is going to be, but. Maybe not a bad, you know, template for that. Right. Just instead of 30s cartoon gangsters, it's um, cowboys. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, would we Would <laughs> we still, even if they did remake it, would we say worth going back and giving Outlaws a try there? I think so. I think it's, I mean, besides yeah. getting it running, uh, <laughs> it's yep. the only barrier to entry. I, I think it's... If, if someone's into FPSs and like in the same way that I am, or it's just like, you just want to shoot some dudes and, you know, have a chill time. Like it, besides getting into it, like, pl- like literally starting it up, it's pretty smooth sailing all the way through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like, you know, I, I've definitely 
like this is far from the most tedious game to set up yeah. on modern systems. Yeah, uh, that, that, that would that would have to go to Shogo for me personally. Oh yeah, a game um, that we the, debated doing. Maybe we may do Shogo at some <laughs> point, but that's on the burner because that is miserable to try and get running. Yeah, it, it took me like an entire evening of like you know, installing graphics wrappers and you know setting up all that nonsense. But you know. Like out of the box, like it does not run terribly. No, nope. and, and like you know, uh, you know, and then to answer your original question of like, is this worth playing in twenty twenty two? I I think it is. Like like I think like you know, uh, you know, Doom is still quite popular, and like yep. a lot of people go back and play like all you know, they played the Dooms and they play the Quakes and they play like all like these older games, and I think like for fans of like old PC shooters like outlaws is kind of an interesting evolutionary offshoot. Yeah. Uh, that does some really different stuff from like all these other games. And like, you know, it hasn't gotten much attention since like it came out, but like if you, you know, if you've already played doom like five times and you want something new from like, you know, that style of game, like outlaws is definitely the game to check out i think absolutely yeah and it's and it's as we said being sort of related to the modern sort of call of duties and ghost recons and like being related to that lineage i think is interesting to see from a game of this style yeah mm-hmm. and it, it's certainly a game you can't accuse of not having an identity right. you know yeah you know, like like i'm sure on this show like like you know there's some games that like you you play them and it's like what is this game even trying to what was that like legendary where it just like well (laughs) i don't know Hmm. that that game has some iconic stuff i guess i haven't played much legendary yeah um but uh i'm sure like you know this this is not a generic game you you won't walk away from this being like well i guess i'll just never think of this game again (laughs) yeah because it's just so generic and i think to just kind of add on to that like LucasArts, especially in regards to, I think they're back in kind of the spotlight again because of the new Monkey Island game that Devolver and Ron Gilbert's new business have done. And I think when it comes to LucasArts, like especially now, they're only really thought of in regards to where well, they did Star Wars games and they did some point and click adventure games. But there's like a lot of stuff to their back catalog that I think so many people miss out on. Outlaws being one of them. Another one being, they were the people who invented like Pipe Dream. Like, you know, the mini game in Bioshock where you rotate the pipe, you put the pipe pieces in to make like a single pipeline. Yeah. You know, that, that that mini game, which is in so many places. Like, yeah, that was Luke, like LucasArts were the people who figured out that game. Like they, they were the first, they were the ones to flag that moon, which is like, huh, Okay. And then, like, Transparency's made, like, a really good video about, like, one of the first MMO games was LucasArts, which was, like, you lived in a little digital town. And, like, that was them. They, uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which is, like, one of my favorite SNES games. That, yeah, huh. it is published by Konami, but it was developed by, because LucasArts were in a bit of a weird period when, so Atari owned, like, the Star Wars, like, the rights to make Star oh, okay. Wars games for decades which is why they initially couldn't make Star Wars stuff. But as a result, like, LucasArts could publish some of their own stuff, but when it came to consoles, they had, like, no proper distribution channels, so they would work with other people. 
and Konami published um, Zombies Ate My Neighbors for him. But yeah, that was them. They, um, they, they yeah, that was a that was an internal uh, Lucas Arts joint. <laughs> yeah, and I think they did I a couple no of other ones. Uh, like Metal Warriors um, is like another game that they did for Konami. There's just like this entire history to them that I feel like, again, a lot of people forget about because, well, they're the Star Wars guys, which, again, kind of coming back around to this, they built this engine originally to make, what if we did Star Wars Doom to two great tastes that taste great together, but then made something just way more unique out of it in regards to Outlaws. So, yeah. Yeah. Very neat. Uh, before we wrap things up, folks, uh, boys, we're gonna play a game. We're gonna oh, we're gonna God. play a game at the end of the episode. It's the oh, moment boy. we've all been waiting for. Everyone's favorite part of bullet time. We're doing the quiz, folks. Now, because we record these episodes out of order, unfortunately, I've already asked Kevin what the top selling games of nineteen ninety seven were because another game that came out this year was Hexen Two. But oh, okay. That's no problem, because I will be quizzing you and Chariot on what were the top Metacritic scores of 1997. What the? Oh. Now, unfortunately, Outlaws didn't make the list on this. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, but we will be focusing on the top five. And at number one on this list, with 96 out of 100 approval on Metacritic, is a FPS game that has been mentioned twice already on this episode. It's Quake? It's not Quake. That was 96, right? That was 96. Um, oh, yeah, that was 96. Was it... Um, Duke Nukem? It was not Duke Nukem. Man... It is an FPS game that I would enjoy. Oh, GoldenEye. It's GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo okay. 64. Chariot, <laughs> what were you going to guess before? Uh, I was going to guess Blood. I'm not sure what year that came out. Uh, but... Blood also came out in 97, but uh, no. Nope. Okay. It was GoldenEye 007 for the N64. Now at number two is a game that if I gave you the genre, it would give it away immediately. So all I'm oh. going to say is, it is the game that invented a genre. for the pl- And it came out on the PlayStation, and it is a entry in a long-running Konami franchise. Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Castlevania Damn. Symphony of nice. the Night for the PlayStation, inventing the genre of the Metroidvania. Yeah. For extra, for extra points, um, uh, this is a this is this will be between nineteen and hundred. What did it get? Um, what does it have out of hundreds? Positive scores, boys. Ninety four. Very close. Ninety three. Mm. Ooh. Now Damn, at number three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at number three is a game that I've never heard of before. So we're going to have to all work oh. together to figure this out. Um, it's at 92 approval rating in 1997 on Metacritic. Um, it is a game which... There is a long-running series of games that are all named after a game designer, but this isn't part of that series, but it is, like, within this empire that he's built for himself. Oh, 
Is it a? I, I, uh, this has to be a Sid Meier. Yeah. It is. It is a Sid. Um, it is a Sid Meier. So that is the first bit. The second bit. I, so it's about the Civil War, I believe. So it is Sid Meier's something. Oh, oh man, Gettysburg. Sid Meier's Gettysburg. Ninety-two percent. Hell yeah. <laughs> We got that quicker than I was expecting. Well, way. I haven't heard of Gettysburg. You know, I've I've heard of like colonization before. You know, Sid Meier's colonization. So th- I, this was for in a the game weird with such period. Such high Metacritics. This was in the weird period where Hasbro or Atari still had the Civ name, but they had all left to form Firaxis. and so they were just making. Mm anything they could that wasn't civilization but was like civilization related and yeah this was one of them and then eventually they got the civ name back and that's how we got civilization free so i like how sid myers was like i just want to simulate what it was like for the most people to die in a battle <laughs> that's, that's the entire game oh. <laughs> He's just sitting back in his chair watching the simulation going, going, ah, this is good. People, people will pay for this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can see a big box copy of this on LGR one day. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Number four on the list, uh, 92% approval rating on Metacritic, one of the biggest role-playing games of all time. Was it Ooh. Final Fantasy VII? It is Final Fantasy VII. Sweet. <laughs> PlayStation. And then at oh, number five, yeah. hopefully Chariot... Actually, yeah, Chariot, you might be able to pull this back. Let's see what happens. Number five at 92% is another PlayStation game. Some would say a classic PlayStation title, but I feel like most people will have forgotten it by now. Would be in your wheelhouse, though, I would say. Um, I don't want to give away its genre because I feel like that would be a bit too obvious. So all I will say is that... God, I'm trying to think of ways to like describe this game that doesn't like immediately give it away. Um, you play as a dog. <laughs> oh. Ooh, LSD Dream Simulator. <laughs> it is not no, 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 you play as a you play as a gray man in that one. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, true. Yeah. See, see, like, like this is where, like, you know, I haven't gotten around to setting up my PlayStation emulator yet. So, like, I, I, I feel very like, like this is a blind spot for me. Okay. Zach might be getting this one so, as well. Sony PlayStation Playing dog as a games. dog. It, <laughs> you play as a dog. This is a character that was so popular that he was in PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. What? Um, oh, Parappa the Rapper. Parappa Damn. the Rapper. Yes, number five, Parappa the Rapper. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Try I guess there's no way to... to not... Yeah, like a rhythm game, like what? Yeah, yeah if I said rhythm game, you get it. If I said... You rap, you would have got it. I was about to say, oh, right. they're all flat characters, and I was like, no, that's like the most like defining Iconic. image of that game as well. So it's like, <laughs> god damn it. But yeah, Prapper Rapper. Um, number five. Man, 1997, huh? What a time for games. You had Goldeneye on one end, you know, making console FPS games viable. Final Fantasy VII, the biggest RPG still to some people. But then you also had Sid Meier's Gettysburg. A game that no one remembers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, this feels like, you know, very representative of, like, a period that's, like, things are about to be changing rapidly. Yes. You know, this is a uh, changing of the guards 
yo, out with the old, in with all the crazy new stuff. Absolutely. And also Sid Meier's Gettysburg. <laughs> hey, if it wasn't for Gettysburg, um, they may not have got Civilization back. And then, you know, we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had Civ Five. We might not have had XCOM 2. So. That's true. And what a world that would have been. Um, lads, thank you very much for coming on the podcast to tell me about Outlaws and all the other stuff that we have natted about today. It has been lovely. I'm going to go in opposite alphabetical order now because we went in regular alphabetical <laughs> order earlier. Zach, um, is there anything the folks at home you want to like plug or promote before we uh, wrap things up? Um, no. <laughs> Not the podcast again or your Twitter oh, yeah, sure. or videos or whatever? Uh, <laughs> you can follow me at uh, at ZC underscore FRZR if you want to see me tweet weird jokes or my my creative things every now and again uh yeah i've got the podcast the games etc podcast me and james is about batman arkham asylum will be coming out some point i don't know before or after this goes out um, maybe I don't after, know when you're planning maybe after this this is we're recording this relatively close to when it's actually going out versus like oh okay the episode after this where not only is my audio worse, but it's just like, hey, start of a new series. But I don't know, which is talking about, oh, I can't believe the Kaiser got shot. Oh, they're talking about a war in Europe. I hope that doesn't go. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the, inv- it's such an old episode. We're talking about the invention of fire in that one. But uh, hopefully people won't <laughs> notice. Um, but yeah, the Twister and the Games Etc. podcast, I'll be sure to point people in that direction. Chariot, what about you? Is there any last plugs or things uh, you want to point people towards? I mean, you know, I guess like there's always my uh, Twitter, uh, Chariot Rider YT. Uh, there, there's also like like the old um, Twitter account I have, Shopkeepers oh, of yeah. Gaming. Um, I, I've been meaning to like get back to, to updating that. Uh, if you know of any interesting shopkeepers in games, uh, me- message that account and I'll uh, probably post it. Nice. Um, uh, and then that's the only other like thing I can think of to uh, you know, promote aside from uh, my YouTube channel, also Chariot Rider. Lovely. Uh, Have you got any exciting yeah, videos uh, on the way? Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, I, I've been very, uh, oh, yeah, you've been busy. I've been very school. busy, yeah, uh, very busy with school. And, and, you know, I just had to add a couple of classes to my next semester. So I'm oh, up to 19 credit hours again. Oh boy. Um, Dude. But I, I, I did, I do appear in, uh, Evelyn's, uh, or I am errors. Oh yeah. Uh, most recent video. Um, so, so if you want to see like a short little, uh, piece about Kerbal Space Program and my changing relationship with it, uh, go watch that video. Nice. Um, uh, I will be sure to point people in that direction. Um, as always, I've been James. You can follow me on Twitter at Hot Cider, H-O-T-C-Y-D-E-R. Um, you can support the podcast over on Patreon at Hot Cider as well. Um, we're going to be staying in the past, though, for the next episode, folks. So though we'll be going back a few years earlier from 1997 to... 1994 and 1995 because we're about we will be embarking on a brand new mini series the first of its kind for bullet time uh we will be talking about raven software and their first person shooters um joining me as co-host for that will be kevin from pixel it by the way we never came up with um i never decided who. <laughs> yeah was yeah, the, I, yeah i was just about to ask like you know i didn't want to interrupt your outro but uh 
And we never figured out who the co-host was. Yeah, you know yeah Daddy, who is it? <laughs> okay, you know what? I think to drive engagement. Folks at home, I want you to comment. Oh my god. Comment, comment <laughs> oh. on this episode, either on YouTube or your podcast app of choice. Let me know who you want. Who was your co-host for this episode? Was it the the black cowboy chariot rider or the white cowboy Zach Frazier? And when I say colours, I mean in regards to their hats, not anything else. Because we're all Alex. white. Maybe our jacket, but <laughs> maybe yeah, definitely the hat. Yes. Um, next week we'll be looking I at Harris. I vote and- chariot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I will vote for Zach to balance stuff out. Then. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll also vote for for Zach. Oh That's god. So what the hell? Like, We'll like even it out. Okay, I, I will know. vote for myself. I'm gonna. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay a neutral party. Then you two vote for each other, and we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll, people on Twitter weigh in as well. Let us know who was the guest host for this episode. Um, but next episode right. will be Kevin from Pixel. It will be joining us for the entire Raven mini series, uh, and we'll be looking at 1994's Heretic and 1995's Sex and Beyond Heretic, where we will be joined by video essayist. I am Era Evelyn, who you just mentioned. Uh, you did a little video <laughs> for, so it all it all ties up in a nice bow. But until next time, folks, keep blasting. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, did you forget that that was our um, yeah. that was our sign off? Was keep blasting. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Who is the person who came up with that? <laughs> who, do, who do you think came up with Keep Blasting Chariot? Uh, that sounds like a Zach thing. That sounds um, like Hamish. No, it was... Um, Hamish uh, didn't know how to take when I said... I mean, Snake was the most disgusted when I said Keep Blasting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't know. Folks at home, also predict who you think came up with Keep Blasting. I'll give you a clue. They're on every episode of Bullet Science. Uh, Let's go with that. The Bullet Time Podcast is made possible by Eric Hamilton Schneider, Valerie B, VG, and the Hot Cider Support Tier. If you'd like to help with the production of episodes and gain access to extra content, consider supporting over at patreon.com forward slash hot cider. That's H-O-T-C-Y-D-E-R. A special thanks to Max Coburn for the Bullet Time theme tune.